The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsletters Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that you heard come from another artist than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Is Brooklyn in the house without a doubt? And I also just realized that the uh, typo I just made on the uh, tweet that I am not going to change. Screw it. Um, this uh, we can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find this on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, yes, Make folks. sure to hit like and subscribe. Yeah, all that. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, uh, 9.30ish p.m. on uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. And also uh, twitch.tv slash combo chronicles, all one word. Hit the like, subscribe, and or notification button so that you will know when we are online. Yeah, dim and all that. Uh, well, folks, yeah, here we are again. We're back once again, like tag team. Ooh, there it is, all that kind of good mess. Uh, we're gonna. Sprinkles. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that, but um. Uh, well, you know, there's the old and the new, right? Yes, that is that is also true. Um, but yeah, we are going to get into the comic books of the week. But first, um, we are going to talk just very, very briefly. And Spoiler Barrel will be enacted here. Um, because we're going to talk just a little, little brief, brief, brief uh, about uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which has now... Uh, been released on Disney Plus this past week. Right, so now that it's on the plus, Varadi Cat has had access to it, and now we're going to have uh, a, at least a brief discussion. So, spoilers are incoming. You are forewarned in three, two, one. Spoilers are coming in. So, I liked it. Uh, it I wish I had seen it in the movie theater, and boy, they could have really... Um, 
uh, on hindsight, they really could have introduced Iron Fist in this. I have a feeling that's where they're headed because mm-hmm. of where... Because, listen, they have adapted the Shang-Chi lore and, you know, added to it and, and, and edited it so that I think they are going to be creating something very much connected to to Iron Fist in the future, I think. Right. And I was very curious well, to, to skip it ahead just a little bit to the end. I was like, the Ten Rings will return. I'm saying, like, I guess that's true, but how and where is is curious. No, with no, with what we know is coming anyway. Is, is that that's a, that's an interesting question because what it's meant, what I think it's meant to to imply is that Shaoling is uh, going to be a future fixture in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? So, you know, I think that's a good question, trying to figure out where she's going to pop up next, whether it's going to be in the television shows or on the big screen or both. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering what you thought, of, you know, just in general about the the movie itself, the acting, the storytelling, the screenplay uh, and all that stuff, because I had some comments on that. So I think it was nicely uh, it was nicely shot. I can't in in relation to seeing Eternals first. I don't know, it's kind of a toss-up, because, like, they both look really good for different reasons, but, um... And I guess uh, there's a slight a slight edge to Eternal because I saw it in the, in the, the theater, which is, doesn't seem fair. Um, right. Let's see. Um, the acting was actually pretty good. I feel like uh, the chemistry between Simulio and Aquafina was pretty good, and I know people don't like, you know, those those two character ca- uh, castings for whatever odd reason, but I thought right. they did all right. Four point. Obviously, every time Michelle Yeoh and Tony Leung was on stage, I mean, was on was on screens, it was it was pretty damn great. Right. So you know that was like, all right, great. Um, yeah. I mean, my my my. As far as the acting goes, I thought that every time Tony Leung was on the screen, he stole every scene he was in. Right. You know, he was just acting circles around everybody. <laughs> you know, minus minus you know some of the, the some of the more senior. You know, yeah, some of the Michelle. older actors like Michelle Yeoh and, 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 and whatnot, I felt like every time Tony Leung was on the screen, I was like, all right, please, can you guys all watch him? Because he's actually acting, Perhaps. you know? <laughs> so, you know, that that was at least my impression from 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 the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I agree with you that I think your 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 impression of like, you know, the way the movie shot and the, and the, the scenery and the cinematography and all that stuff is probably skewed because of you watching Eternals first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's probably, you know, that, that, that's, you know, that's pretty on point in terms of the story. I thought that it was okay. Um, you know, as I said earlier, the adaptation of the, the Shang-Chi origin in the comic books has to take place because ultimately, you know, they can't do it, you know, word for word from the original. And it's even harder. That's actually just as hard for them to do it according to the uh, the, uh, the the Zhengzhou origin that uh, Ed Brubaker kind of put in relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Brubaker. I could be wrong. I thought that was in Secret Avengers. Mm, you might be right by that, but I'm not. I, I don't. Or, or I mean... You know, we kind of assumed that it was uh, during um, during the secret invasion stuff. So maybe, maybe it was Hickman. That is also possible. 
Yeah. Not the secret, the, not the secret invasions, the, the secret wars, secret, uh, secret Avengers stuff. So I think that was Hickman, but I'm not sure. I have to right. go back and check. Right. But at, at, at any rate, though, um, yeah, and I'm noticing, well, shit, even this week, which we will get to later on, there, there is some stuff that's from the movie that has uh, found its way into the comic books, which actually brings me back to that the part we were just talking about with the, um, with the Ten Rings thing. Uh, obviously, they, it's the five um, five weapons society in the comics, but I feel like they're. I'm wondering if they're doing a similar route with the with the, the Ten Rings, uh, as they are doing in the comic books right now. That's definitely possible, and we'll talk about that when we get to the book. Mm. Um, what did you think of them powering Shang Chi up? So that he could kind of stand toe to toe with some of the other Marvel heroes. Now that right there is, um, I that was one part of a, uh, a two part curiosity because like they did I so we know in the comics like even well uh, to be fair like and we'll talk about this week's book uh, um, coincidentally, um, but like in recent history they've not had to do that to him in the comics. And obviously, this is the MCU, and they're different. They've changed a few different things in that. And I get why they would do that. Basically, long story short, uh, I get why they would do that. But I don't think that should have been necessary. I agree. I definitely think that the adaptation of the Ten Rings into something of a more martial arts uh, weapon mm-hmm. was effective. You know, because it's culturally sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, it makes some sense. Right. Although part of me thinks that they're going to meld the Ten Rings that we see in the movie into something similar to what we see or what we know of in the comics. Right. Because of the revelations that are made in one of the post credit scenes. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling... Especially given the fact that they change colors, right? Between you know when they change possession between Shangxi and uh, Wenwu, mm-hmm. so I have a feeling that we're going to see a little bit of a melding of this MCU version with what was the, the the Malukans? I think they're, they're they're called like the aliens, something like that. Yeah. Right, whatever it is, you know, they were using or traditionally the the ten rings of the Mandarin were used to power a spaceship. Right, and we may find out in uh, future installments that that may actually still be part of the origin. Right, of and, these. Right, and that um, that mid credit scene seems like it could have gone that way because I'm saying because at first I was thinking like, wait, are they actually doing that or are they going somewhere else with it with what they? with what they did there. Cause like that could have gone either way. And I was thinking, I was like, I know they said Fin Fan Fung wasn't going to be in it, but at the same time I was like, well, they're, they were getting close to it when they was, um, you know, when, when, um, well, one with the, when the, the big bad dragon came along, but two, even when they started talking about the, uh, talking about the, the, the door below or whatever the case may be, even though I know that's not, I don't think that was never his designation. I'm like, okay, they're really getting kind of close to that though. With, with, with all of that, so I'm sitting here like, hmm, like that's gonna. Right. I would like to believe that that's going to come back to play some, 
some kind of way. And they were like, well, that wasn't really a dragon. It was an alien. And this was one of these Malukins or whatever the case may be. And then the ten- You never know. You never know. I thought of the, I thought I had very similar thoughts. So I'm, I'm glad that we were kind of thinking along the same lines. Right. So, um, you know, because ultimately, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being making Shang-Chi more culturally, culturally relevant, you know, there is the water dragon right. that is like the guardian of, um, Talo, right, and uh, you know that's you know that's all, and, and that whole and and a lot of the the creatures that we see when they enter into Talo are very much rooted in um, uh, the Chinese mysticism mm-hmm. and right. and mythology. So you know it's it's all very very relevant in terms of uh, being you know, touching upon cultural touchstones. Mm-hmm. So um, you know I thought that the movie itself was effective. As I said, I thought that the strongest acting was from Tony Leung, so I'm hoping that Simu Liu and uh, you know, and presumably Aquafina continue to grow into their roles. I wasn't completely convinced by them in this movie, but that's just me. Right. I felt more attached to the movie when I was watching Tony Leung literally act circles around everybody. Oh right, yeah, because it was like okay, he's just grabbing, just just grabbing folks in, just like between him and Michelle Yeoh and, and probably maybe one or two other people that, that you know, uh, you know, did whatever their little parts. But um, but, but definitely between them two, it was like all right, they they pretty much caught the screen there. Now I yeah. will say, like I said earlier, like the, I did like the chemistry between Simu Liu and Aquafine's characters. Um. I wasn't quite sure where they were going with 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 her character Katie because I was like, okay, she's a good driver, I guess, or or she can drive basically. That the, that was pretty much the thing, and I was like, okay, so going with what they kind of laid out as the subplot is like, well, you have all this potential and this and that and the other. It's like, okay, so what is that going to translate into? But what we later found out is like, okay, she ends up shooting a bow and arrow, and I'm sitting here like, and and the fact that her name was Katie, I was like. Well, we already know there's a Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye thing coming up, so I know they weren't going to do that. But at the same time, I was like, that could have been a way they could have done that uh, if they were going to go that route. I mean, probably for the best that they didn't. But right, 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 right. I think, I think that you know, it's a, it's a weird, it, it's it's definitely a weird relationship that they form because it's seemingly platonic and it's seemingly not at the end of the movie. But I'm also glad they didn't put and, it together, though. So, right. And um, in terms of Katie's uh, heroic journey, you know, hero's journey, mm-hmm. I thought one of the best lines was something that was translated from uh, Mandarin. Mm-hmm. I presume Mandarin into English in the subtitles. That that where where one of the villagers and talo says to katie i I may be misquoting this uh you hit nothing you don't aim for or something like that yes basically yeah you you basically got i do remember that right and i was just like "Ooh, that's pretty deep Mm -hmm. that's something you can that's something you can actually take away from this movie yeah yeah so what they plan on doing with her character going forward in 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 relation to to all of that, I'm like I'm slightly kind of curious because I was also curious at the end of that it was like because so the other thing that was also curious was like especially seeing that play play out was Wong's whole um role in this like yeah pretty much what was in the trailers it was for the most part it on up until later on 
But that whole scene right there, even when it played out, was still kind of weird. It was like, wait, you're friends with the abomination? <laughs> and oh, then, no, the line is, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. Right. But I'm like, I was, okay. just Googled it, so just, just, uh, just wanted to put a bow on that one. Right. So, and I'm sitting here like, okay, are we going to get some kind of expl- explanation as to why Wong was there in the first place? Or is that going to come in Doctor Strange or maybe not? Probably not, because I'm still like, I, that's the part I really kind of want to see. And how the hell do you end up meet, meeting the abomination? We're go- I think that all that stuff is going to come together. All that stuff is going to come together. The, you know, these are uh, seeds that are going to be grown later. Because we know, I it's believe we know being that. Planted. Right, because I believe we because we know that no, because we know that Emil Blonsky is going to show up at some point. Right, I was going to say he's going to be in She-Hulk supposedly. Right, so so we're going to see we're going to see these characters, and obviously we know we're going to see Wong later on. Right, he's going to be in um well he's going to be in Spider-Man coming up soon. Um, right, but then obviously I would pretty safe bet he's going to be in Doctor Strange also. So correct. Um, but yeah, that but that was like like I said this whole. Even when he came back later on and to came to get both of them, which I was assuming he was at least going to get one of them, because I was like, yeah, I get it. He was going to get Shang-Chi because of, you know, because of the Ten Rings. Right. Uh, I got that part, but it was like, why was he get, grabbing Katie also? Like, I did, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a package deal, but, like, that part was kind of curious. Like, maybe they're, they're, they're setting up for something a little bit more than what we know. Like, obviously, she's not a character that we know of as far as we know from the comics. Right. So, but like I said, that that was a whole thing that was kind of curious to, to as to me um, throughout that whole thing. But outside of that, like I said, yeah, the, the um, you know every every um, the, the the movie was actually pretty good. It, it was paced nicely. Uh, I thought nice enough. The only other weird part, I guess, was the inclusion, which made sense, but also the extended use of Trevor Schlatt's, Trevor Slattery. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here like, all right, like because when, when it got to that first point when he came in, I was like, okay, I already know where this is going. Because when it hurt your heart, you know, I already know where that was going. Well, he brings with him Morris, which is awesome too. Sure, right. So, what you missed out on by not watching it in the theaters, especially you know, me opening night, mm-hmm. right? So that I can't. For, for a lot of these movies, I can't do without the crowd reaction. Sure. And, you know, the opening night crowd is always hyped, always to a certain extent overreacts to things because we're all looking for something, you know, in the movie to, to react to. Right. To a certain extent, you know, we're primed as opposed to the, I hate to call them normies, but the, the normal crowd that comes in later. Mm-hmm. Right, which is kind of like a mix of people who would be uh, opening night people, but for the fact that they missed out on tickets and the people that they that they end up coming along with, right? right? And mm-hmm. people who just end up getting tickets for, you know, the, the the few days after opening night, right? But when you go on an opening night, you know that you're with people who are generally primed for the event, and so um, when Trevor Slattery came on. You know, the people that knew knew and most, you know, like the the vast majority of the crowd in my theater knew. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people reacted to Morris. And one of the <laughs> biggest laugh lines was the Planet of the Ape sequence. Yes. 
that got everybody cackling in my theater the first time I watched it. Yeah, I admittedly I did have a good laugh at that one. I was like, really? But then again, like knowing this <laughs> character, was like, yeah, that makes a whole lot more, a whole lot sense. But you know, but oh I didn't, but I, but I, but I respected. I was like, okay, well, they're gonna just use him at this part and then just kind of let that go, and maybe they'll you know, they'll grab Morris and, and go. But it was like, no, he was along for the literally along for the ride. Oh, actually, he me. was there for the duration. Yeah, he was absolutely there for the duration. So I kind of got a kick out of the fact that he does make you know spoiler. We you know we rang the spoiler bell long ago, but you know Trevor Slattery does make it out of this adventure alive, which means that Ben Kingsley still has a job in the MCU if uh, if uh, if he wants to come back. Yeah, about to if he leaves uh, Talo. Right. Well, I mean, my point is, if Ben Kingsley wants to return right. to the MCU, right. there is a character waiting for him. Right. So it was like, okay, that was that was partially well played, but also I was like, hmm, they they're really kind of extending this <laughs> more than I expected them to. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm just gonna let it roll. I mean, talk about giving a giving a character, giving an actor, you know, a character that he can have fun with. Like he's literally having fun with. I mean, right? Yeah, you, you yeah, you putting being someone like Ben Kingsley in a role like that. Like, yeah, you you want to make sure you use him pretty well, you know, um, or at least give him enough or something. So I got that part, but at the same time, it's like, hmm, that character, you know, if if they had stopped, like I said, if they had just like here's the scene he was in. They got what they needed from him. Pew, pew. I would have been fine with that. Which is what I said. Him being on the rest of it wasn't really detracting from anything, but it was. A, but it was still like okay. That didn't necessarily need him, but at the same time, it was fun. You know, it was awesome. oh, it was great. You know, because he, because ultimately they had the you know and 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 uh, you know before we spend too much time too uh, too much more time on the movie, I felt like they switched the comic relief from Katie to him. Yes, because she had much more action-y things to do. Um, I wanted to mention before uh, we move on, it's got to be her voice, but every time Aquafina was yelling for help on the... um, uh, on the... um, Oh, on that bamboo? bamboo, Yeah, the bamboo bamboo, um, scaffolding scene. Yes. Every time she yelled out for help, I think I laughed. Because it's a, it sounds funny. Like she's making it sound funny. Yeah. She's like, help! Yeah. I started laughing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's absolutely. in mortal danger, and I'm laughing because she sounds funny. Right. Well, yeah, and she and she's even noticed that she kind of. I think she said her voice sounds like a 45 year old uncle one that smokes. Like, <laughs> I so I'm like he, she's even aware of that. I'm like, um, right. So yeah, that part was I was like, yeah, I'm like, you, you won't want to go do another take of that. But at the same time, like, you know. <laughs> it sounds like a cartoon almost, like help, right? So, um, so I yeah. definitely, I definitely got a kick out. Of, I, I definitely started laughing a lot during that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know they needed to switch uh, gears in terms of who's going to be the comic relief at that point in the movie. Yeah, I mean they still. I mean that's never stopped them from from keeping that but and keeping some action along with it but yeah i guess it, the, the shift didn't hurt anything either you right know. um i that razor fist i mean, wasn't you know i don't know 
So first of all, the Razor Fist car. I'm sitting here like all of all the cars they chose to take. Like, so this is part of that because it's like this is just getting a little into the weeks. We can talk about we're getting into that a little bit later. But I was like, of all the cars they chose to take, they took the the Razor Fist one, and I was like, okay, that makes no sense there. But at the same time, sure, why not? Of course, of course, sure, why not? And also, because I have found myself thinking for like thirty seconds, like why would Razor Fist that looks like a um. Like a hybrid hatchback. Like, what do you? What? Why would even if it was even if it was you know tagged or whatnot? And like that doesn't seem like a car that dude would would drive. I uh, mean, you know, maybe he was he's uh, you know environmentally conscious. I, <laughs> yeah, as, as as much fucking up with that bus he did or, or whatever the case did, I doubt that. But but like that, that was, was a great just, sequence. That was a great sequence. The that bus, bus sequence. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it was a um, great sequence. See, yeah, I was kind of upset because if they had kind of kept that a lot of that out of the the um out of the trailers, it would have been slightly right. better. But at the same time, it was still great. You know, once you see it all out on film, right? But, I mean, it's if you think about it, that is the big martial art sequence. If you if you discount the the, fight the scaffolding, within, well, and right, the, the fight within that, right? That one, the fight and the fight within uh, with Shang Chi and uh, Wen Wu, yeah. Right, right, right. But in terms of the, you know, I think they needed to put that into the trailers. Yeah. But I thought that was a great, great sequence. Yeah. Um, you know, the bus driving. Did you see, I don't know if you put it into the news, there a, a, a real bus driver um, in San Francisco tweeted out, um, you know, when, uh, once the movie was released on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. a real San Francisco bus driver tweeted out a, a string of tweets about uh, some of the accuracies and inaccuracies of that scene. No, I didn't, but I I believe something like that would happen because yeah, obviously a bus like that probably would shouldn't be making those turns that it did. Like it was it very funny. Simu Liu actually reacted to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he tweeted. You know, he 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 replied to the tweet. So you know, to the chain of tweets, right. a string of tweets. So um, you know, I'll I'll, I'll uh, you know we'll make sure we take a look at that once the show's over. But I think we've spent enough time on Shang Chi and the Legends so. of the Ten Rings. Yeah, we'll be do you have any Shang-Chi final more. thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, like I said, I will probably watch it again. Um, any other thoughts? If we happen to do something a little more substantial, does this, it'll probably be there. But for the most part, I got most of the things I had to say about it on first blush because I just watched it like earlier today as of this. Oh, wow. Show. Um, wow, so, so it must be super fresh. I, you know, I watched, uh, you know, I watched it, uh, sometime last week. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I, last week, this past weekend, that is not right. last week, but this past weekend, I watched it over the weekend. So right. that would have been my third time watching it. Right. So otherwise, that if you have a chance, if you have Disney Plus or, or Plus, as um, Agent Seventy has been saying, uh, and you have uh, a chance to watch it, hey, do it. It's great. Uh, moving right along, though, we're going to get into the comic books of the week, and we're going to start off with Amazing. Spider-Man number 78 uh, dot bay or dot B-E-Y, a.k.a. the point five issue. So the creative team for Amazing Spider-Man number 78 point Beyonce um, is it's written by Jen McKay with art by Eleonora Carlini. Colors are by Federico Blee and letters by our favorite Paisan at VC, VC's Joe Caramagna. So this is an interlude of sorts and a bit of a flashback of sorts because we get some training here uh, that is being run by – a training simulation that is being run by uh, the Daughters of the Dragon, 
uh, Colleen Wing and and uh, Misty Knight. Mm-hmm. For one, Ben Riley as he continues to try to get up to speed as uh, get up to speed to become the uh, the main Spider Man, as it were, in the Marvel Universe. Which is and, still and, curious to me. But go on. Say again. I said, which is still curious to me in a way. But go on. Well, what's curious, because we've been watching this story unfold, we've been reading the story unfold over the past several issues now, and we're starting to, what we're starting to get is a clue into why Misty and uh, Colleen took on this job. Right. And we got that in uh, number 78, which was out last week. Mm-hmm. And now we get the Beyonce issue. Or the Beyond issue. Let me not call it the Beyonce issue because the Beehive or the Bayhive will come yes, after they, me. They, 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 so um, the Beyond, we get this dot Beyond issue and we get more information into why the Daughters of the Dragon are in this particular uh, arrangement with the Beyond Corporation. And we also have another tie into the um, surprise guest appearance from issue 78 that we saw that we saw in the cliffhanger, uh, we actually get a double. We we get the same cliffhanger in this issue, right? Um, well, yes, and um, we also get uh, hints of what could be what what you were talking what we were uh, mentioning about because you can't really go too far uh, talking about the Beyond Core in the Marvel Universe without bringing up Next Wave and the uh, and the cliffhanger guest uh, that's that is helping uh, the daughters of the dragon, which we said last week. So we might as well go ahead and say it again. Um, uh, Monica Rambo, who, you know, uh, knows a thing or two about, uh, about a thing or two about the beyond core and, and their right. dealings. And, uh, and this issue is going further to, uh, to add a little bit more next wave into the actual, um, into the MCU Prime Universe, so the, the six one six. Because if I'm not mistaken, Next Wave was not necessarily in canon, except for it kind of got referenced like a little bit later on by like the by the likes of Al Ewing in the in, in the Ultimates. So or in, in other places. So there's shades of that that kind of got hinted at. Oh, actually, might have been Mighty Avengers, um, Captain America, and Mighty Avengers around that time um, uh, when that when that started happening. Right, like slowly but surely, they're going to be, they're going to incorporate it somehow and into they, the, and, and their this continuity. Issue, right, and this issue is no different because of the 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 thing that the daughters of the dragon get sent after, uh, the threat that has been sent after holds or is wielding a um, a, a, a a a thing that has to do with another next wave character. Oh, okay. So, because of my unfamiliarity with it, mm-hmm. I it was new to me. But uh, please expand. So, so like you said, um, they 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 go the daughters of the dragon. They, they start off on this uh, danger room esque mission, which is which I mean not danger room esque danger room esque uh, training session with Ben. Um, uh, and that's kind of funny because apparently Colleen made it, and she she makes they make a they make a specific X Men reference that um, some folks might know, and they call it call it out. Um, uh, uh, but then after that, that particular training simulation ends up being where 
Misty and Colleen end up kind of trapped in because the threat they've come after uh, kind of interacted with it and put them basically inside the game. So they kind of have to fight their way through this simulation uh, until they realize until they realize what was going actually going on. Well, they knew what was going on, but until they realized, you know, how they could end this end this uh, simulation and get what they need to do, um, done. And like I said, then the thing they ended up getting getting from that, but not telling the Beyond Core about, was again a um, an item. So it's called the Heart Star, and I never knew this thing had a name. Uh, the wielder of this thing was called the Captain. Not Captain America, not anything, just called the Captain. Um, and it was just some dude that basically ended up... So these, so the Heart Star was given to this dude who was out drunk one night by these two aliens who was coming to Earth to look for a champion. Uh, and they, came, they didn't find anybody, but they came across this drunk dude, they gave it to him, and as soon as he took it on, he beat him to death. And just kind of went about his merry way. Because he thought he was because he was still drunk and he thought he was hallucinating and whatnot. Uh but he ended up joining the the next wave crew, uh I think in that same issue. Or that, I think that was when they talked about it. Uh anyway. But regardless, like I said, that that Heart Star thing uh ended up being because of that. So I assume maybe this person's gonna come back into play or at the very least maybe someone else is going to wield it. We don't know. Uh, but obviously, Monica knows what to do with it, as she said it is this issue. So that's pretty much where that comes from. So there is definitely more Next Wave coming out. Now, if we see Machine Machine Man shows up, a boom, boom, we'll know something. Because we do know both right. of them are around. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we've seen both of them in other in other stories. You know, we saw Machine Man in um, that Iron Man story. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, the uh, the Iron Man 2020 story mm-hmm. and uh, Boom Boom is uh, somewhere. I, I I was about to say somewhere on Krakoa maybe. Yeah, she was last we saw her anyway. So, um, I thought you would have gotten a kick out of Ben Riley making a reference to you know I bet John Walker didn't have to do this kind of thing. I kind of did, but at the same time, it was like yeah, I don't know if that's where you want to put yourself in line with. But that whole sequence where he was just going through the, the quote unquote the murder mansion, the simulation was was kind of amusing, and also still brought up the pain. Like I was saying earlier, it's like why does he need this kind of training? Like I get it, Brian Beyond Core is trying to hone him, but at the same time, like and I, well, and he's kind of been out of. Out of, um, I guess he's out of shape, out of practice. I don't know, but we, even though we've just seen him in that Iron, that most recent Iron Man story, even though he really didn't do that much, right? But at the same time, it's like, well, he's kind of Spider Man. He kind of knows what to do, but I get the fact that, like, yeah, they want to hone him a little bit more so they can he'd be more equipped to handle what comes his way, right? I'm glad that you had, you know, that 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 you, you've given us all this history lesson on the heart star mm-hmm. because this was foreign to me and i guess i'm gonna have to put next wave on my list of reading on uh marvel unlimited now it's a very silly reading you should very much watch. and i granted yeah it was, it was written by uh warren ellis whatever you think about him at this point it is what it is but the story itself is um you know it, it is pretty it's pretty dumb but good <laughs> I listen. I have the first issue. I, I I own the first issue, but beyond that, I don't think I've ever given it much much uh, thought. But you know, thanks to uh, you know, thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I have access to this now. So I think I may just have to start reading this. Yeah, and it's only twelve issues, so it's not that it's not that uh, much to it. 
Right. So, uh, that being said, though, yeah, we've pretty much wronged that one. I'm still on the. They're they're still trying to get me with one the inclusion of Daughters of the Dragon, and two with all this next wave stuff. But I'm still on the fence about this whole this whole Ben Riley Spider Man thing because screw that dude. <laughs> right, 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 and ultimately. As I told, I, I foretold this, and Roddy Cat has admitted that I was correct in that, the, you know, we knew specifically because they revealed the rough span of time that this issue that 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 this Ben Riley stuff would probably span. Mm-hmm. So I figured that they would be stringing uh, the people who don't care for Ben Riley along. Right. Until we see the return, the ultimate return, no pun intended, of Peter Parker. And, yeah, and Bing gets his own book, so, um, to which you can just freely to the side. Right. Um, that being said, though, we can move on to, I see you got sort of highlighted, so I don't know if that's what you want to go to or. What's next? Oh, no, I don't have anything highlighted. Sorry about that. Well, okay. Um, actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and get into this um, Shang-Chi thing. So Shang-Chi number six. All right. So uh, the creative team on Shang-Chi number six, uh, this book is written by Jean Luen Yang. The art is by DK Ruan. Colors are by Triona Farrell and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this issue is essentially a direct continuation of where we left off in the last issue. Mm-hmm. And I will let Roddy Cat uh, take it from here. <laughs> Um, let's see, let me get the... Oh, sorry about that. I mean, if you if you need me to continue, I will. No, no, I'm just pulling up, getting the, the um, getting the, uh, the cover up. So, yeah, but, well, the gist of it is, is that, like I just somebody said, this does definitely take care, take place after the next, um, issue. Almost uh, directly. Yeah. Um, but what ends up happening is... Which I guess it ends up is pretty much the culmination of this arc in the fact that uh, Shang Chi has been is being visited by um, the the Avengers basically because you know they've been dealing with him and everybody who's run across him is kind of skeptical about him being the head. Well, the nature the the five weapons society in general just being around and him being the head of it, knowing their history with him, you know kind of question whether he's going to be good or bad, you know, into this. Um, but in this particular case, they've come back because they realized that the, um, the cosmic cube had, uh, was not given to them. Uh, and they have come a calling because of this and, uh, not realizing that Shang-Chi didn't even know that he still had, I guess, so that that's a question about because I can't remember. And it's been it's been a couple of issues since that happened. So because we know Shang Chi's brother hit the cosmic cube, but I don't know if Shang Chi actually knew if he had, if he gave them the right one. But it sounds like in this particular uh, case, up until what happened at the end near the end of it, I'm like I guess he he didn't know. Oh, I guess he. I, I guess he might have. That's how I remember it. I'm right. going to try to look it up. Well, go ahead. Yeah. So because um, up until a certain point, like Shang Chi's like, well, okay, so here's this is the thing, and then, but anyway, what ends up happening is the the um, the adventures slightly rudely kind of come and break up his house, bringing in Thor, 
Um, but of course, right before that, there just so happens to be intro- the introduction of a weapon that they so they that they have in their possession that could match uh, Thor, and that ends up making Shang Chi uh, be toe to toe with Thor. Obviously, with his with his uh, skill intact, up until the revelation of not all is what it seems, um, and that pretty much puts the halt to a fight and ends up having uh, Shang Chi make a choice um, that doesn't sit well with the people around him. Put it that way, and even the people and even the Avengers are like, "Did he really do that to save his own thing, or did he really just do that for a good world?" Like they still are not really trusting him. But obviously, this is going to keep going because, like, uh, whether he did it, you know, as they say, as a plant, or whether he was it was a goodwill gesture, or you know, that he really meant it, or whatever the case may be. I guess we'll see coming up. But it doesn't really matter because we know that at the end of this, that there are some forces that are against uh, Shang Chi, uh, and even one movie reference. By the way, I don't know if you caught that on that last uh, that last page. There was a reference to a, a thing that was from the movie that was uh, that was in that last page. That I kind of got a cook. I was like, "All oh, right, I remember seeing them think that thing, or those things." Uh, that I got a that I got a kick out of seeing. But apparently, like I said, there's some forces that are um, that are going to be rising up against Shang Chi and the family. And yeah, I was just trying to pull up issue number five, but now you got me curious about this thing on the last page. Mm-hmm. As I said, you should know it when you see it because, like I said, it's. It's a thing that kind of comes in. It's not a big part of the movie, but it's just like something that shows up in it. And like I said, having having seen the movie today, I was like, "Oh, right." Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, hmm. Like, was that planned, or was that like, or did they just like did one take from the other? <laughs> it's hard to tell. It's yeah. hard to tell. You know, with these, uh, you know, with the with the way the MCU works. So. Mm-hmm. Hard to tell, but yeah, no. I uh, do you remember when number five came out? Just out of curiosity, uh, I think this is still monthly. So, um, so I'm not yeah, sure the but, exact. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find when this came out in October, and I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. I know I could probably because I don't. I haven't really um, um, organized my or dealt with my. Um, my books or my, my old books so I can probably find out real quick <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm I'm trying to find it now uh, forgive us folks you know this isn't exactly dead air because we're what we're trying to do is find out if this particular story point is what we think it is mm-hmm. and actually hmm. did oh, it miss a month for... was it wait. September wait that's September. I'm in the wrong month. Oh no, I got it. I got it. I, I'll tell you when it was. Ten thirteen. Okay. Ten thirteen. Right. So this is the Iron Man. Right. So this is when this is the Iron Man issue. Right. When uh, Shang Chi is, uh, you know, basically uh, buys an Iron Man suit off the black market to reclaim it. It's basically the um, the Silver Centurion armor. Right. And I'm going to just click through here and see if we can't see this part uh do do
that might have happened prior to this issue. What the Cosmic Cube one? Yes, because that uh, was that was the uh, I believe that was the Captain America issue actually. So that might have been like two or three. Might have been yeah. Uh, right. So then yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go back. I mean, that's probably Marvel Unlimited at this point. But I would think so. Bottom line is, I I seem to recall that whole girlfriend of Brother Saber bit. Right. So I think what we read in this issue is in fact factually true. Right. That Brother Saber kept from you know kept this information from Shang-Chi. Yeah, that part I do remember, but it, the the but yeah, but there was part of that I thought that Shang-Chi kind of was intentionally keeping the cosmic cube away from folks. But I think he did say he was like, no, I was gonna give it to him. as a matter of fact, yeah, I think that's what it was. He was he was thinking he was giving the cosmic cube to the Avengers, but Brother Saber had had um given him a, a, a duplicate or, or a knockoff as it were. Right. Which led right, right. to this. <clears throat> right. I thought that was interesting that they brought out the heavy guns, you know, that they brought Thor out. Right. But that's definitely, but I, you know, but that was obviously to, to, uh, you know, I, I, I think that Gene Luen Yang used Thor to, to demonstrate that this was in fact a cosmic level, you know, a cosmic cube level, ar- you know, uh, artifact. Right. So, Right, but and the uh, Avengers, you know, I, I, oh no, go ahead. No, I was about to say the Avengers were just thinking was like, well, yeah, we just we're just gonna lean on Shang Chi with somebody he couldn't possibly, you know, deal with, uh, and come to find out that they were mistaken. Right, you know, which I feel like even without that, I mean, obviously, you know, she wasn't gonna really hurt a god all that much with with his with this with the skill set, but I figured he would have at least like been some pressure point thing or something, you know. He he knows enough about uh, about this dealings where he, you know, I, I feel like he would have still been able to do something. Like obviously sure. he's going up against a god, so there, there's just a little bit of stacked against him. But at the same time, you know, right? He's been a part what of cosmic, add, cosmic level events. So, right. what I was going to add at the end is, I like that it was uh, Spider Man that it was Peter Parker, right? You know, uh, because. You know, we don't. You know, we don't have too much information on Shang Chi's relationships with that many of the Marvel heroes. We have some. You know, he's obviously trained and sparred with Captain America, which is why I kind of, I kind of bristled at the way they 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 uh, the, uh, that uh, Jean Yang characterized Captain America in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely appreciated that it was Spidey who was like, you know, hey man, you mean our friends, right? You know, because I was actually that was actually reading along my own thought process when I read, you know, when I was reading Shang-Chi's speech bubble there. I was like, what, what do you mean? Those are our those are those are both of your friends. And then I read Spidey's bubble, you know, his dialogue. And I was like, oh, OK, that's right. exactly where we're going with this. Right. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, like I said, we will. Whatever happened in this issue, uh, at the end of it, we'll see the um, the outcome of it uh, going forward. So, I mean, upcoming we have a little bit of a of a history lesson in terms of uh, Shang Chi's mother. We're going to see probably a touch more of synergy between the movies and the comics. Yes, that is that seems to be true. Right, it seems very likely. So we will see next month what is going to 
what is going to be incorporated. I'm glad now that you've watched the movie, you'll be able to relate to this better. Yeah. Yeah, because like, even as I was reading, I was like, even before getting to the end, I was like, yeah, okay. Even like I said, like you said, the the bit with the mother seemed like it was kind of leaning leaning towards that. Uh, and then I saw the thing at the end. I was like, yeah, they are definitely right towards that. Right, right, right. And yeah, I think I might have mentioned that when the movie first came out. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, you know we were first introduced to Shang Chi's mother in this volume of the comic book, mm-hmm. and I said I probably mentioned it, so I'm glad that uh, that you have a, a a grasp of it as well now. Mm-hmm. All right, so we will move on from Shang Chi number six, President Bartlett. Yes. What's next? Um, let's do see maybe one more book, and then we'll hit up rapid fire, I guess. Sure. Hmm. You choose. Moon Knight number five. Oh, boom. Okay. That's good. Moon Knight number five is written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, this was a very interesting read because we get to it's very much like. Oh, what am I thinking of? Oh, I want to make a Ted Lasso reference. I really do, but Roddy Cat is not caught up on Ted Lasso at all. Yeah, no. So I definitely recommend Ted Lasso. This is not the first time I recommended Ted Lasso on the Comic Book Chronicles. I definitely recommend it to uh, Roddy Cat and everyone who is watching and listening. Nevertheless, what we have here is a mini breakthrough between... Mark Spector, Moon Knight, or Mr. Knight, and his therapist. Um, And in the course of this therapy session, we also have a little bit of a breakthrough in terms of a reveal of the character who's been stalking Moon Knight for these past, well, for these first five issues of the book. And that's really where, uh, you know, this issue excels. One, we have... This revelation, or, or this, you know, this this opening, this breakthrough uh, in in therapy for Moon Knight, in addition to this breakthrough in uh, Moon Knight's investigation of what has been happening in and oh, and in and around his um, uh, what is it, the Midnight Mission? He calls it. Yes. Right. So, uh, you know, I thought this was a really quality issue. I thought that. Um, this character who essentially uh, creates what Admiral Akbar would always call. It's a trap. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't obvious to me, which was great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, as soon as it was sprung, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I could hear Admiral Akbar in, in my head as, as I, as I read it. Right. But um, I was glad that it was not obvious to me. But ultimately, I appreciated this issue for some of the uh, some of what came out during the therapy session. Mm-hmm. I definitely appreciated that, and I and I also definitely appreciated how McKay decided to have this trap be sprung. 
I, you know, I, I, maybe I just was reading it very quickly and I didn't allow myself the chance to process the fact that it was probably a trap, mm-hmm. but I definitely appreciated that, uh, the, the way he wove the, the pacing of the therapy session intermin- intermingling that with the, uh, the reveal in this issue of maybe not the big bad, but definitely the character who's been lurking in the shadows of the first five issues. Right. And which uh, actually kind of brings up curiosity because this is a character, it ends up being a character who has been seen in the last couple of issues on the side. In fact, was the, the kind of the focal point of one because of that, this, I guess the, the, the trouble they were in or whatever the case may be. I can't remember what it was, but to them now being, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the quote unquote, the, the person who's been the, the big bad, or not even the big bad, but the person who's been watching uh, the the mission, uh, right? And what they have named themselves in this issue, which is also curious, because Zodiac, I believe, well, the the Zodiac was an old Avengers, um, 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 uh, team, foe team, villain team, right. Right, right. They had a villain. You know, like, uh, wasn't one of the character? Didn't one of the characters have a key? Like zodiac a, the, key. Yes. Mm-hmm. The usually the the leader of the the, the zodiac uh, was the one that held the key. I can't remember if they themselves called themselves zodiac or they just had the key and it's, that was that. I don't remember. But no, obviously the zodiac was uh, most times they were you know um, abstractions of the, uh, the the sounds of the zodiac. Right. Uh, so I don't know if this is playing off of that. Or this is like a whole new thing, and they're just like, no, we're just gonna name this dude Zodiac. I didn't do the the the, the legwork to check that out, but and I don't know even know if it's new. They probably might not even have it in in the wiki yet, so I don't know. But regardless, um, you know the the yeah, like you said, the the um, the, um, the the revelations that came out during the um, the breakthroughs that came out through in the, the the therapy was actually an interesting thing. As much as that last reveal, which the Zodiac dude, I was like, I don't know if they were actually really setting up to be like a saw, like a jigsaw type person and not the jigsaw mm. of the Marvel universe, the jigsaw of the, the movie, the, uh, the, the movie saw universe. Cause I thought that's where they were kind of going with setting up that trap right. with him. And I don't know if that's something that's going to keep going or does that was just something for, for this particular time. I guess we'll see. But yeah, but it was a good issue before, like I said, like you said, the the um, the, um, the breakthrough and uh, whatnot. I forgot to mention earlier that uh, well, we did mention that Jed McKay wrote Spider uh, made that Spider Man. Usually, it's, he kind of teases between most of stuff being like really fun, like real fun action heavy stuff. This is not necessarily less that, but also it, it, I guess uh, kind of bridges that a little bit because like I said, there's more. There was more th- as much therapy in there, in there here as much action as opposed to the Spider-Man book from this week, which is more action and fun and more you know, right. jokey. So, continue to like uh, Jed McKay's writing. Uh, uh, that being said, uh, with that though, well, I guess well, I was going to add very quickly. Sure, I definitely appreciated you know the part of the therapy session that talked about uh, Mark Spector's relationship with his uh religion and becoming the fist of conchu and how that all sort of works and 
at, at some point coexist uh, together. Agreed. Yeah. And it's definitely it's definitely worth a read because it's it, there's some insight into the character, and I appreciated the fact that they do treat the dissociative identity disorder very with, with sensitivity here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know definitely give the reader some food for thought when it comes to what how the Moon Knight has been portrayed up until now and where they're possibly taking the character. Yep. You know, this may inform, you know, it'd be interesting to see if this informs how we look at the uh, the Disney Plus series. I think it, it I'm thinking it might, cause, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the news section, because there is a little bit of news on that uh, in there. All right. Unless you got something else. No, that's it. I mean, I will spin up the minigun. Ready? Yep. Here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. Um, We're in rapid fire. We are indeed in rapid fire. Um, go for it, and then I'll just hitch on to what books that we've uh, that I've read with you, or that I've also not read. a problem, not a problem. So, Batman number one seventeen is my first book. It's written by James Tiny in the fourth, with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Tomo Mori, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is the finale of James Tanyan the fourth run on Batman and we have the culmination of his story this his fear state story now at this point we've i i guess come full circle and 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 taken us all the way to I don't remember exactly where future state ended up in Batman I think we are through future state but I'm not sure cuz I cannot recall mm. Yeah, and I haven't read this, so I don't know. Right, because, you know, mild spoilers, essentially Simon Saint goes down, the Peacekeepers go down, and this actually ties into a book that is also on my reading list, Nightwing number 86. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Robbie Rodriguez, colors by Adriano Lucchese, and letters by Wes Abbott. So... These two books in conjunction basically detail how the Bat family and the extended Bat family take down uh, Simon Saint and the Peacekeepers and restore some Bat order to Gotham. You know, that's the, 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 the big picture way of describing what happens here. There are several smaller details that I'm going to forego talking about, but ultimately at the end of these two issues, we are getting ready to leap into the future I don't know if it's actually the future state of the Batman corner of the DC universe. I would suspect not since future state is already done because, and based on what you kind of said a little bit ago, I'm, I'm thinking that was kind of where the end of that Batman stuff during future state had started going towards. You mean Uh, like, like them uh, wrapping up the story with Simon Saint and the peacekeepers, right? I believe so. It's been months. Like you have. To I exactly. I can't State remember the, either. So yeah, you know, the beginning of this year. So, and we have right. read a lot of books since then. Right. So, so bottom line is, you know, get ready for a new start in the Batman corner of the Marvel uh, the Batman corner of the DC universe, not the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about Eternals messing me up on that one, right? So, mm-hmm. next up is Kang the Conqueror number four. 
It's written by former guests Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, uh, former guests of the pod of the Combo Chronicles, uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art by Carlos Magno. Colors are by Espen Grundityern or Grundityern. Uh, and letters by our favorite Python over at VC, Joe Caramagna. So, uh, this is the penultimate issue of this limited series. And bottom line here is that we've seen, uh, we, 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 we kind of uh, continue to traipse through Kang's history, both documented and undocumented until now. And, you know, we see uh, uh, a particular episode in Kang's history that goes all the way back to, and I actually Googled this, goes all the way back to one of his first appearances in Avengers, Avengers number 24. And uh, the character of Ravana has, or Ravona has uh, uh, factored heavily into this miniseries and continues to do so. And uh, we will see how Kang's scheme to stop the cycle of Ravana plays out in the next and last issue of this miniseries. Any thoughts? Any additional thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Like, it, 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 is, it is funny, but I guess it makes sense how they've been, like, different Ravana uh, during the course of this uh, miniseries, and they've been different up until this last one that shows up, which is the more classic version uh, right. of uh, Ravana. And the one that ultimately is uh, <laughs> the the crux of his, um, I guess, safe to say, the crux of his mission. Even though this is a different Kang from the one that uh, that started out uh, in this um, miniseries. So, but it's still the same thing. So I know they they took great pains to kind of say it was like, yep, this this is different, but this is the same again. I- where this is all leading up to, we don't know if it's leading up to anything at all. Like, what's it going to make this any different from what we already know about this character, outside of the fact that we know that this character is going to be in the MCU soon? Right. At the end of the day, I think what it may make me do is kind of reread what I thought I knew about Kang. Mm-hmm. You know, go back and reread, because I thought Avengers Forever kind of cemented what the character was. You know, we're talking about the Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco series. Right. I don't know if you had I don't know if you read Avengers Forever back then. I did, yeah. So I, I, I feel like I need to go back and read that and then read this and then read some of the other Kang stories or at least read the, the entry in Ohatmu to kind of get the Cliff Notes version of it right. and see if I can't reconcile all that stuff. To so, see where they might go in the MCU, right? So I guess this is this is actually something I've been thinking about this because um, there haven't really been many footnotes in this in this miniseries, uh, and I, I suspect that was purposefully because they're they're while they're kind of rearranging some history, there there's you know some beasts that are still kind of there, but it would be nice to be like, hey, this is kind of reminiscent of. Here's this story. Here's that story. Here's this story. Like I said, in this particular issue, we do get at least one of that because I think it does. Um, there is a footnote maybe in here about that uh, Avengers twenty five, but 
uh, but ultimately they haven't done that. But it would be nice to see a nice little timeline of like here's the stories that that, that these are playing off of. So that's all. No, absolutely, I agree with that. That's that's a good point. All right, uh, let's see where am I now? So I did Moon Knight. Uh, talked about Nightwing very quickly. You did Shang Chi. So to the big speculator issue of the week: Superman, Son of Cal L, number five. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by John Timms, colors by Hi-Fi, and letters by Dave Sharp. I admittedly have not been reading this book. This is the Superman book that centers around Jonathan Kent, the son of Kal-El, as it is is, uh, stated in the title. And uh, this is the issue in which it is revealed that uh, Jonathan Kent is indeed bisexual. So... Um, it is part of the story. It is an orga- organic part of the story. And uh, I thought the most interesting part of the story, honestly, was that the villain, uh, or at least the, uh, the the main antagonist in this issue, or at least in this, in this story arc so far, is named Bendix with an X. So it's not Bendis, but Bendix. So I don't know if that is a pre-existing character in the DC universe up until now, but I thought it was kind of curious that, uh, this character is, uh, named, uh, so actually I, it looks like it is in a, it, it, it is a character that has had some history in the DC universe. In fact, I'll just look it up. Um, this is a wild storm. From the wild storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From wild storm. Look at that. So from Stormwatch, which I never read, but like I said, I'm not real big on DC anyway, so that's not... <laughs> not I read, I was about to say, I read Stormwatch when it was in uh, Image, mm-hmm. you know, when it was a, 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 a Jim Lee property spinoff, mm-hmm. so uh, I don't recall this character, this might have been in the uh, the later renovate the, the later uh, redux of uh, Stormwatch when they became... Incorporated with the DC Universe? I believe so, because it says March 1993, and it says Wildstorm Universe, so I believe that is... Oh, I mean, no, but March March 93 would put him in the original Stormwatch, so... But that's what it says here, Stormwatch number one, March 1993, so... Yeah, there it is, there it is, so I just don't recall then. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough. All right, so, well, in, in any event... Uh, you know, I'll scratch my thoughts on this character being new and it being a play on Bendis's name, but it's still kind of funny. It's a nice coincidence. I mean, Bendis so, is around, then, so just not without you know merit, right? So ultimately, uh, you know, this is a, a story. This is an issue that has garnered attention in the media and most likely through spe- you know for speculators have at it. Speculators have fun. Right. All right. Next up is Sword Number Ten. I am in and out of this book. I know that Roddy Cat has been keeping up with this, so he will have something to say. It is written by Al Ewing, with art by Jacopo Camagni, colors by Fernando Cifuentes of Proto Bunker Studios, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. So, what we get in this issue is some Krakoan slash sword slash. Um, space intrigue being played out with some character study courtesy of WizKid, the last character you thought you would ever get that from. 
You know, I don't think anyone ever expected to get uh, a character study of a whiz kid in this book, but we got it. And this issue is definitely the first time I think we've ever had this deep of uh, exploration of the WizKid character. And I thought it was very effective. Mm-hmm. And we find out at the end of the issue that not everything is what we thought it was over the last two issues. Your thoughts, Rodicat? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and yeah, I, but there's also a thing that we've noticed that they've been doing in the X-Books uh, you know, character studies for the person that is kind of in the forefront of the issue, if not, you know, uh, if, if not the book, like, you know, I think, uh, on not too long ago, we had one on Quentin Quire and X-Force, uh, kind of redefining him a, sl- a little bit. Uh, and in this case, uh, WizKid from the Exterminators, which again, a group in a book that I'm pretty sure if you're of a certain vintage, you may or may not remember. I own it. I don't think I remember reading it, but I own it. Yeah, same. I do remember reading it because I think that was like around, uh, wasn't that Inferno? I don't remember. There was an event where they came out and uh, and and I think he was introduced in. But regardless, so uh, the long story short, yeah, we do get a, a little bit more on the character, which is which serves him because obviously more modern readers will probably not know who this character is, so this was probably good for that and for, again, people like us who, while we might know the character, you know, uh, may need a little refresher of his character, which, you know, Snotty Teen, who's good with uh, computer, really doesn't need a whole lot to say about it, but apparently there's a little bit more to his character, um, or at least they're making a little bit more to his character than that. So, right. that being said, though, that in the course of this issue, yeah, we we see a, an apparent betrayal by, by uh, WizKid, but as I just somebody said, it's not everything's not uh, what it seems, um, and they even kind of call out the fact that he's a triple agent. So, which I was like, well, they didn't necessarily have to do that, but they did. Um, what made it easy to figure out what was going on? Correct. Uh, and at the end, I guess there's to to, to the extent of what's uh, happened in this issue. Which, if you're watching the video version of this. Um, program you can see the cover pretty much kind of sort of happens um and that plays into i i guess that plays into the portrayal part but also i guess you know in in any good uh sub, bit of subterfuge you gotta kind of make it seem real or make a or or make it real in this case i guess so mm. whether it, there's a a total demolition of well, is that the peak or the second one? Uh, the pinnacle. I can't remember which one it is. Regardless, one of them kind of goes up uh, because of what happens, and you know, and it's all according to a someone's plan, <laughs> to which again we don't know the extent of, but we kind of see what's why they would probably do something like this, and who is involved in this, right? And who we know shows up in this issue. You're correct, uh, by the way. Exterminators was introduced during Inferno. Mm, okay. Well, yay memory. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I had to look it up. I, I, I actually went to I, I went to my collection 
um, and and literally uh, made sure that I own these issues. I was like, wait a second, I do own these issues, don't I? I know I do, but I also don't know where all of my books are, but I have a pretty good idea. But first things first. <laughs> so, yeah, th- so that's that. Understood. Understood. All right, so let me wrap up my rapid fire with my last few books. So uh, next up is Eat the Rich, number four. This is published by Boom Studios. It's written by Sarah Gailey with art by Pius Bake. Colors are by Roman Titov and letters by Cardinal Ray. So spoiler alert, Eat the Rich kind of takes its title very literally, but it's not exactly what you think. Um, Essentially, the... uh, this story has a great sequence in it and a great twist to the ending because it definitely follows up on something that was teased in the first issue. Uh, I'm being extremely vague because um, I don't want to necessarily spoil it. It's four issues in and it's probably worth a quick read if you're into um, you know, something that's a little offbeat, maybe something that's not superhero based. So um, take a look at it when you get a chance. Eat the Rich, number four. Next up is X-Force, number 25. I know Roddy Cat and I just had a quick uh, uh, discussion about this issue just prior to jumping on. This issue is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Robert Gill, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by, as I said earlier, our favorite Paisan at VC, Joe Caramagna. This issue has... Some really, I want to say, incongruent elements. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily elements that are conflicting, but definitely incongruent. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we have what appears to be an ode to Point Break. Not the remake, the OG Point Break. No, we don't have a scene where someone says, I am an FBI agent. Rather, we have some serious introspection by Wolverine and a study of possibly mutant surfers off the coast of Krakoa. Yeah, so yeah, as Agent 70 said earlier, this is this is a weird issue. And it does. It definitely starts out weird because first of all, like you said, I I didn't catch the, the point blank thing, but I kind of get what you're saying in that. Um, like, first of all, no, the point point break point blank is something else. I'm sorry, did I say blank? I meant break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely a different thing. Yeah, uh, it's all saying. good. That's a gross point blank, but that's a, uh, a, a another another different thing. But yeah, so the Wolverine gets a surfboard, not just any old surfboard. One made out of adamantium. I made a joke that said he he's now become the Silver Surfer, uh, in my notes because he's got this big silver killer weapon made out of the same stuff his bones is laced with. And I'm sitting here like, all right, I get personalizing your surfboards. But that's taking a little too far because he could pretty much wipe out and kill his own damn self if if it happens to come back on him and just slice his head off or something. But obviously, and even as, as said in this book, in this issue, like it, it's a it's a it's a vehicle and a weapon, which, as we both agreed uh, before the before 
the show when we talked about it, is going to come into play at some point during the this arc, for certain. Right. Exactly. This is the first issue of. We're not sure how many yeah. issues this story is going to take up, but uh, at some point, the surfboard as a weapon. And the way Forge explains it is that it's finned with adamantium, so it's, it's coated with it. It's not completely uh, an adamantium uh, surfboard, which would make it r- ridiculously heavy. Also, but the bottom line is that it's a weapon, as right. Roddy Cat uh, put it. So it's going to come back at some point as a weapon. Also, notably, I think, if I'm not mistaken, most surfboards only have like one, what, fin or something at the bottom of it, if that. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I don't know surfboards. So, no, no, no. That's uh, a the, the 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 design that we were shown uh, seemed to be you know not a standard one, but definitely something that uh, is common. Gotcha. Okay, because I figured it's like okay, well, he's got three claws and it's got three fins, so that was something he custom he made custom for for that reason. But also, I would imagine, I guess, it could help with the surfing. I don't know. Didn't seem to help him um, that much. Um, uh, while he was actually riding it, but that's a whole another situation. The fact, and and I'm thinking one of the incongruities that uh, Agent 70 is getting to uh, really quickly is the fact, well, at least this is what got me, the fact that Wolverine got taken in by these may possibly not be mutants that just so happened to show up that probably surfed in from some ship somewhere else uh, for reasons that we'll probably may or may not get to, you know, and and Wolverine's just like, oh, you, I guess you're mutants. So, because Krakoa is a big island, it's, it's impossible to know all of them. Um, but the fact that he got taken in so seemingly taken in so quickly by them, because I half expected like, oh no, you're not, <coughs> you're not no mutant, or you're not even from Ryan. You would think any jokers you don't know, you'd be like suspicious of. And even right. at, at a certain point, when they were talking about. Uh, an aspect or two of Krakoa should have tinted him off, especially as Agent 70 said before, he's a part of security mind you, so you would think that would have gotten a, you know, given Wolverine, who's been around quite a good while would have given him a little bit of, hmm, this person doesn't know this, like, and granted you could safely say, well, maybe they're a newer mutant that just came on the island or something you could probably explain it away some kind of dumb way but still you know, the fact that these, these characters were kind of asking these questions would have thrown up some some red flag somewhere, you would think. I mean, the character that he's dealing with seemed to have an intimate knowledge of Krakoa. So that's why I so kind of jumped into the, I jumped into the idea that uh, this character was, in fact, one of the mutants on Krakoa, mm-hmm. which, you know, lends itself to a betrayal as opposed to an invasion. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's what we get. We get a what seems to be, at least in my mind, in my opinion, at least to this point, uh, in terms of what we've learned so far, is a betrayal, most foul, because we have what amounts to a baby napping. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool. That is not cool at all, folks. Not cool, not cool. Um, related to this baby napping is the other part of this uh, story, or this issue, uh, the the more kind of incongruent part, as I was saying earlier, which is uh, I need a little space talk or telepathic chat between um, is it Phoebe the cuckoo? 
Oh that, yes, I forgot that happened. Right. Oh yeah. Right, right, right. So we get a we get a a, a conversation. Quentin Quire. Uh, it's not you, it's me. Mm. Type of conversation between Phoebe the cuckoo and Quentin Quire, and it's something that has been kind of brewing, but kind of not. I was a little bit taken uh, taken by surprise. Mm. I don't know about you. No, because like I think I've been. No, this is it's come up in the past. It's been kind of brewing, hasn't it? Yes. So it wasn't that big a surprise, but at the same time, I was like, ooh, that's kind of cold. Yeah. The way it was done and the way it played out. I'm not a fan of Quentin Choir, but I felt bad for him then. <laughs> like, I legit kind of felt bad. I was like, damn, you dumped him like that. That's fucked All up. Right. Right, 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 right. I'm just like, wow. You know, it's at the end of the day, I, I don't know what to make of the uh, the Stepford Cuckoos. I really don't in terms of a group of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, it's just kind of, uh, you know, and, and you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, by the fact that I, I never got around to buying them as a group of Marvel Legends that I just don't have much of an affinity for these characters. Sure. So I don't know what to make of them. And... Uh, ultimately, I, you know, it doesn't really mean much to me that this particular relationship has at least taken a break for the time being. But, you know, what we have now is uh, the, the the introduction of the hatchery with, uh, you know, with these or maybe not the introduction, maybe at least the highlighting of the hatchery right. with, uh, uh, you know, this this other part of the story with. Uh, Wolverine and the uh, the muty maybe muty mutant surfers. Yeah, I don't think they're mutants. Um, uh, but and and going back to what you were saying about their the the, the knowledge of uh, Krakoa real quick before because we get then after this I'm, I'm we can deal with it. But I'm sitting here like if they did actually know the island, the the quote unquote mistake they would have made would not have been. Would have, would not have been such a mistake. I think it was. It's, it's one of those tropes you see in the movie theaters where they're, you know, somebody trying to get information and they just like, oh yeah. Now sometimes it, for comedic effect, it was like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. I meant over here or something like that. But you know, just like, oh yeah, this, we want to go over here for this thing, and you know, and the point is here. And then somebody, you know, uh, mistakenly was like, oh no, you're wrong. This is over here. And then give them the information that they were actually looking for. Again, for Wolverine not to take up red flags for that, regardless of whether he knew, you know, especially mentioning the hatchery or uh, uh, in that time, you would think would have given some red flags. Mm-hmm. But maybe just from the outside looking in, obviously, you know, we got we can see more than when he's seeing at the time. But at the same time, like I don't know, Wolverine's a little bit more seasoned. You would think something something would have. Would have would have tapped him on the shoulder, so I don't know. But we'll see how what what happens after that. Because yeah, the, the, uh, a napping does happen <laughs> at the end mm-hmm. of this, and they mm-hmm. do make off with a couple of babies, which has happened before. Because like in that cable series, like okay, mutant babies got kidnapped, although they were not on the island when when this happened. So so it's kind of curious that they another baby napping, uh, mutant baby napping, happens in the X books. Right. Oh, all right. Last but not least for me, uh, I did this in a little bit of a reverse order because I circled back to Darkhold Wasp number one. This is actually written and colored by Jordi Belair, 
with uh, illustrations by Claire Rowe and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So I admit to not being up on the Darkhold miniseries, these one-shots that are being uh, used to highlight that group of characters that have been gathered uh, by uh, Wanda to... If, correct me if I'm wrong, being gathered by Wanda as a result of that Darkhold one-shot? Yes, Wanda and Doctor Doom all uh, right. uh, were... But, see, that, but that's the thing. That's the problem. Like, that happened, and then the rest of these one-shots have just been like, oh, no, no, he's stories from in the world of the, you know, whatever alt-what-if world uh, situation... Dealing with the dark hole. No, there's nothing really linking outside of the fact that, you know, these don't go the way a, a, a normal would if. Well, I guess you could say that. Well, from what I recall, and it's been a while since I've read that dark hole issue, from what I recall, things went south. Something happened, yes. Very quickly at the end, where they read too far or they looked into the dark hole too much, and it turns out that they were all possessed at some point. By yeah, Chathon. No, nah, that part of it. Well, so Wanda has or had something like Ch- that. Chathon because he, she definitely has been possessed by Chathon before. Doom thought he could, uh, like, no, I got this. I can, I can go, I, I can read the book and I got to find a way to read the book and I can master this. You know, typical Doom stuff. Like, I got this. I will save the, save the, the, the world or whatever the case may be. And I don't need anybody to help. That ends up not going that place that way. And I think they end up. Trying to finally because because Wanda's like you need to get a group together. Doom's like nope, I got this, and then they ended up making the group after that. Now again, none of it has to do with these one shots. Has so far had anything to do with these one shots that have presented mm-hmm. themselves since then? Not the Iron Man one, the Blade one from last week or whatever, or this one because they've just been self-contained stories. Now maybe it's like a what if, and they might come back into a play and they follow, and they come together. I doubt it, but or that what if uh, series. From Disney Plus, I specifically, but I kind of doubt it. No, I, I think what we're I think what we're exploring is, you know, their internal stories. You know, like their individual stories right. in the course of their possession by the Darkhold. So I'm going to have to go back and look. Maybe uh, while Roddy Cat is going through his um, his uh, rapid fire, I'll take a look as well. But bottom line with this issue is that we have. Uh, Janet Van Dyne kind of doing a retrospective on her life and career in the Marvel Universe and seeing how, you know, as the female wasp, she's the one that has the stinger and, uh, you know, kind of uh, going over her history with uh, Henry Pym and, uh, you know, where things went wrong and might have taken a different turn had she acted in a different way and uh obviously under the influence of the dark hold this is my theory here under the influence of the dark hold she takes this to a particular logical conclusion yeah yeah i don't i'm yeah why you go definitely go look that up because i don't believe anyone actually got possessed during the course of the alpha issue um like I said, the only talk of possession i remember and again this has been this has been a while. I mean, that book's been out almost a month at this point or two or so. Again, a lot of books we read. Wanda talked right. about her, the fact that she has been, because she was uh, possessed, that she, you know, 
had some intimate knowledge about how to deal with uh, uh, Chathan. Uh, I don't remember any of the people that have had one shots being in that issue. And maybe that's been case. I could be wrong. I probably need to go back and read it myself just to kind of check that out. And these just so happen to be the one shots of the world, you know, of the world of which a dark hold what if basically. Right. As you were kind of, as you were saying, I, I said, I don't remember off that. Either. either way, it doesn't seem like they kind of connect. I mean, this is not the first time Marvel's done this, this is, or, or probably DC either, but like, there's been these, uh, like, hey, here's these Alpha uh, issues and these Omega issues. And then here's, hey, here's like three or four one shots that are of the world, but don't necessarily um, have much to do with it. Like, I most recently, famously, that um, Avengers thing, um, the Heroes of the Born thing. Like, it was pretty much the. Um, all those one shots in there didn't necessarily have any connected tissue outside of the fact that they were in the world of the, the heroes were born thing, but they didn't have anything to do with the alpha or the mega issues of, of, of that particular miniseries. Yeah. So I, I was remembering this correctly. So, okay. uh, dark hole number one was published on, and it was out in shops on September 29th. So if you look at the September 29th group of books, sure. you'll, you'll be able to find Darkhold Alpha number one. Mm-hmm. And at the end, what we get is, um, you know, the, the what the Scarlet Witch and, and Doom are doing, and Victorious are doing, it looks like. Yes. All the heroes are uh, take a look into the Darkhold. And mm-hmm. it turns out that... Um, uh, they read too far into the Darkhold and turned into, the, uh, you're getting the Darkhold defiled. Okay. And then we get the the red and the black kind of alternate, you know, kind of uh, uh, metamorphosed, uh, uh, you know, changed and altered uh, heroes, Iron Man, uh, Spidey, uh, Black Bolt, Black Panther, and Wasp. So I, my, my, my guess is that what we're seeing in these one shots is a description of what is happening as these individual characters are reading through the pages of the Darkhold. Mm, weird. That doesn't sure. Uh, uh, wait, you did you say Blade? Yes. Okay. Because I was about to say that. Uh, okay. Well, sure. That being the case, it is what it is. They still don't seem to have any connective tissue out of that. But if that being that being the case, then that makes a, little, a lot more sense than what I said. Right. Earlier. I mean, if you. I mean, at the end of the day, you know that you know that um, that uh, handy dandy uh, uh, page where the credits are. They also give you a summary. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it, what it says here is that you know they they give the. Um, her, the basic Marvel story that we are used to. And then we also get, uh, you know, when Hank's personal demons made the relationship unsafe, Janet ended things and moved on with her life, or at least that was her story, until she read from the Darkhold in, a, in an attempt to stop the elder god Chathan from manifesting on Earth, and the pages of the sinister book showed her a more twisted path. Hmm. I think that is the okay. I think that's the premise of all of these one shots. Right. So kind of still like a what if, but more centered on right, more centered on these uh, uh on these characters that are um in this Darkhold story. Sure. Okay. That was it. All right, and that's it for me. 
Yeah, I was about to say, it's still an interesting, weird read. Was, you know, but we'll see how these those things play out. Uh, for myself, uh, I only got a couple of books, so this should go by relatively fast. Um, actually, whoa, I forgot one. So that's, and I definitely don't want to skip out on that one because I enjoyed that one. Um, while I type that one in. Spider-Woman number 17, uh, actually, is my next book. Uh, bing. There we go. Uh, written by Carla Pacheco, art by Perry Perez, uh, color artist Frank Darmada, and letters by Travis Lanham. So this is a potential click of the week for me, because this was kind of fun. Um... Jess visits Lindsay McCabe on the set, who, she's a stunt woman, by the way, if you did not know, um, on the set of a Western that she was shooting. Um, uh, there, um, uh, and apparently there's a star there who, um, the, the star that, uh, Lindsay is, uh, is doing stunts for is, a uh, a particular kind of, uh, star, I will say that you would you will have to read the the book and see what I mean, um, but she keeps referencing um, a certain person's guys that that uh, that she trained under, which is all which is kind of fun. But I, as I say in my notes, uh, this is pretty much Jess and Lindsay's quote unquote fun romp through it on a movie set for a western, because something ends up happening. Um. um well, the, there's some action happening. Supposedly, Jesse's just supposed to be t- uh, taking it easy because of the events of the last, um, last issue, because she's still in the cast, so she can't use her, her Venom Blast. But, like I said, she's kind of supposedly west, uh, resting, but she still ends up uh, getting some action uh, with her and Lindsay. That was due to something that Lindsay supposedly had done in Madripoor. Uh, that has come back to collect uh, from her. Um, there's one particular action scene that was kind of funny because the foot, footnotes of it are, are, are amusing. And apparently in the end of this, that there is it is tied to that Devil's Reign um, uh, uh, event that is coming up soon, which I'm not sure what this particular thing is going to have to do with that, but I guess we'll see. Uh, next up, though, Black Panther Legends number two, and this is kind of uh, I guess this is kind of a, a brief retelling of of uh, T'Challa's not necessarily his origin, but um, kind of his um, his history to a point. Because last issue we kind of saw up into uh, his father's death. And there was a trip to South Africa with him and Hunter, the White Wolf, uh, and the, you know, showing the inequalities there, there in there. Uh, in this particular issue, this falls after the death of um, uh, T'Challa's dad, uh, which, by the way, uh, let me go ahead and say the creative team is uh, writer Tony Onibuchi, uh, art by Setora Fiad Zigby, and Fran Galen. Uh, color artist Paris Eileen and Ian Herring, and letters by GC's VC's uh, Joe Sabino. So yeah, 
uh, T'Challa goes on this walkabout or whatever the case may be and ends up meeting a very familiar character, um, a very important familiar character in his, uh, in his life. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see who that is. Not surprising. Um, I don't know if this has anything to do with the, the book or the miniseries uh, between them two that came out a few years back. Because I don't, I don't believe it played out exactly the way this did, but probably some of it did. Uh, but eventually, um, uh, T'Challa is called back to uh, Wakanda because of some things happening uh, uh, there that may or may not have to do with the uh, White Wolf. That specifically may have to do with White Wolf, actually. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens, uh, in the next episode. There was a mention of internet here, and this is T'Challa as when he was young, when he and Storm were both young. So I kind of hit upon that for about 10 seconds. And then I thought about it. It's like, well, Wakanda probably would have internet at this time if the rest of the world didn't. So, cause I know they didn't kind of, they didn't do any kind of time stepping here that we know of. So it wouldn't be like they just, you know, moved out a few years. Maybe they did. We don't remember or not, but I doubt it. So that was the only thing that kind of saved that from me. Because I was like, why would you mention the internet here if they're supposed to be young? And then we know both of these characters are old enough to be before internet. But again, Wakanda. So kind of let that go. Next up. Right. And also rubber band timeline. Yeah. So I was thinking it was kind of less that than more than, well, um, uh, Wakanda so advanced that they probably would have had an internet, but at the same time, yeah, I thought that may have been something that they're doing here. So it could very well be that. Could very well be. Um, let's see. Last but not least. Um, yep. Nubia and the Amazons, number two. I have been enjoying reading this uh, book. It is um, nicely written. The art is, is uh, striking. And I've been loving it as I'm sitting here looking for the boot cover. There we go. Um, let's see. Story uh, by Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala. Script by Stephanie Williams. Um, Art by, oh, excuse me, pencils by Aletha Martinez. Inks by Mark Morales and Aletha Martinez. Colors by Emilio Lopez and uh, Alan Pasalacqua. And letters by Becca Carey. Um... So yeah, basically, uh, Nubia is looking for guidance, guidance from 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 the uh, from the guardians, guardians, because at this point she is the queen of the mascara, given that uh, title given to her by um, at some point by um, um, uh, Hippolyta, and I believe this happened in that Infinite Destinies thing or whatever the case was, Infinite Frontier, excuse me, book, but I never read that, so I don't know. Uh, so this is kind of taking place after that, but um, I'm not sure if this time f- time frame is matching up between future state. Uh, may it be because I don't know because I don't know the Wonder Girl is happening at some point. Um, this is happening at some point, and that might all be together. I don't know, but regardless, Newbie is unsure of her station because you know she she knows. Uh, She's she's pretty much unsure about some things, so she seeks guidance. And um, 
and there's some other stuff that's going on because there's this uh, threat that's kind of floating about the island, island looking for Medusa's head, and I think it is maybe Medusa. Uh, and then there's another threat that was kind of teased last issue uh, from a vision from Penelope that uh, she's getting um, some guidance from, from another Amazon. So there's a, a couple of things kind of happening in this uh, miniseries, and this is uh, two of six, by the way, if you're interested in checking this out. And uh, the other part of this is um, uh, Nubius is supposed to be picking a new champion to Hodor uh, um, a certain thing uh, on the island. And she's kind of seemed like she might have chosen uh, this person. And this person also seems may have more of a past history with Nubia uh, thanks to some flashbacks, but I'm not really sure how that's going on. So... I don't know. Like I said, I've been enjoying it. Like I said, it's been if, if you are interested in the character of Nubia and and um, the goings on therein, you should definitely check it out. Like I said, the art is lovely. I love it, um, and and it's written quite well. So you just definitely should check it out. And that's it for me. So clicks of the week. Okay, clicks of the week. <laughs> Uh, we didn't get anything from our other hosts, so what you got? Um, I will say that I have a few candidates. I definitely enjoyed reading this week. Some of them were unexpected. The unexpected one was Sword Number 10. I thought that was a really entertaining issue because I did not expect to get that much from reading about WizKid. Yeah. But I liked how it was written. Indeed. I will also say that I definitely appreciated what was happening in the pages of Moon Knight number five. Mm. And I think those are my two main competitors gotcha. for clicking a week for me. How about you? So as far as uh, potentials, I, like I said, um, Spider-Man 17 is definitely one of them. Um Newbie and Amazon number two is definitely in that running. And um, I definitely agree with you on uh, Moon Knight number five. I'm weirdly, and as much as I hate to say this again, kind of wanting to put in Amazing Spider-Man 78 Bay, but there's part of me that doesn't really want to do that for reasons that should have been apparent from what we're why we were talking about it um even coming into this new arc so um but yeah i'm thinking i think i'm just gonna go with moon knight number five but i definitely like sword number 10 i really appreciated the storytelling um that uh, Al Ewing and Jacopo Kamani put me put in that book. Okay, all right. That's again a solid pick. So I can't be mad at you for it. Um, as I flash it back on the screen here, and that was the wrong white, but that's fine. Uh, hmm. This is slightly kind of tough. Um. 
Like I said, Spider-Man was good. Spider-Woman, excuse me. And uh, Nubian Empire, uh, Amazons. I may just go with... Um, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, Spider-Woman. Okay. Like I said, I do. I have I, to catch up on that because I was confused. I was flipping through it earlier. Yeah. And I was like, why is she in a cast? Right. And that last issue will will bear that out. Right. So. I figured as much. Yeah. And, you know, what's this deal with Lindsay McCabe? And because I know she's been in and out of this book. Right. And now we have a cliffhanger ending. But then we're jumping right into Devil's Reign. So I presume this is going to be put on hold for a little while. Right. And that's that was the weird part about it. I was like, OK, so you go through this whole issue and then pop this happens and like like I said earlier whether that's going to have anything to do with Devil he- Devil's Reign or like you said more likely get put on hold because of right. it um, who's to say because I thought that was just kind of a weird it wasn't really a weird pivot but it just seems kind of strange at the outset I guess well I mean I thought it was a decent cliffhanger right but it seems so weird that, like, literally, it's only because she's mun- that uh, Jessica's munching so hard on something that she's distracted. Well, okay, so no, that was the thing. So, well, the, the, the only reason why that was because Lindsay had sent her out. So there was actually some time in between, you know, that happening and and uh, a page before it or or a panel or two before it. So, okay, I'll have to take a look at it again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that wasn't just like an instant thing. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So there we go, folks. Um, and actually, excuse me. Let me just do this real quick. And Spider Woman something. Definitely read uh, Nubia and the Amazons number two. Like I said, well written, beautiful art. You know, you can't really go wrong with it if you are a fan of uh, uh Wonder Woman's sister. All righty. Uh, and with that, we are going to go into the new section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off as we do every week about this time with the cinematic news. I love how there's a story on why why didn't the ring turn Sauron invisible? No, I do not have it in the lineup, but Sam just saw it in this article. Um, But... X-Men writer appears to confirm MCU's Daredevil reboot is in the works. Or does he? So, X-Men writer David Hayter, old uh, Solid Snake himself, if you know um, if you know who that is, <laughs> recently uh, appeared 
appeared to confirm that a Daredevil reboot is in the works for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, at London Comic Con, uh, Hater said, you know, they're doing a reboot of Daredevil, and Daredevil was already always a very important character to me, and I love uh, the... Um, I love the first way they did it. This is his talk. I guess this is his uh, quote here, by the way. Uh, but there are certain things that I, you know, that I would adapt from the Frank Miller run on Daredevil that used to really mean a lot to me. Long story short, um, there's an update to this and to say that he has clarified his comments <laughs> because um, the Disney sniper, the Marvel sniper probably got to them, got to him in between this story uh, coming out because he has clarified that uh, with an update that says he has no insider information and that he misspoke, believing that he had read about a Del Devil reboot elsewhere. That was a warning shot from the Marvel snipers. Basically, so that's why I had to put this one here. And I was like, okay, that this is too good not to not to put in. Uh, next up, though, that's funny. All righty, uh, John Wick Four news. Uh, a set video shows Donnie Yen saying goodbye to Keanu Reeves on his last day of filming. After four months of shooting, the Rogue One actor took to social media to announce he's done shooting. For the highly anticipated action sequel. Wow, they've been shooting for four months already? Yeah, right. Time flies. With 2022 less than two months away, one of the most anticipated films to look forward to in the new year is the next chapter in the John Wick franchise. While it is still currently filming, one of its new cast members officially wrapped that is Donnie Yen, and he took to Instagram to make that announcement. So he says, quote, after four months away from my family, I'm finally coming home or going home. It has been super fun and creative working with both Keanu and Chad. I think you guys are really going to love this one. See you on the big screen. The video is a nice look behind the scenes that shows the bond that Yen and Keanu Reeves created on the set of the film with Reeves's knowingly breathtaking personality shine all the way through. Okay. Uh, included in the footage is Yen showing off some of the parting gifts left for the famous action star by both Reeves and director Chad Stahelski. Yen ended off his post by writing, for me, it's even more rewarding from this unique experience is that I'd gained genuine friendships. Okay. Hmm. I was going to bring up a, uh, a misspeaking of my own uh, from probably a few months or half, probably half a year back about Donnie Yen and Keanu working together, but I won't. <laughs> um... John Wick prequel series, The Continental, cast Peter Green, Jeremy Bob, and Ayomide, Ayomide Adegun. I'm sorry if I mis, mis- screwed up your name. I apologize profusely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it seems that the, the Continental is still a thing that is happening, and these people have been added to the cast. Apparently... Um, Mel Gibson has also been cast, so I guess I'm not going to be watching this show. Uh, does it say when? Neither that nor Lethal Weapon 5, apparently. Exactly. Um, of which he's supposedly in talks to direct. Um, which, talk about somebody who's old, too old for that shit, and in addition to other, his other real world ramblings. Anyway. Uh, there is cur- currently no release date for the Continental, but the fourth John Wick movie we know is May twenty seventh, twenty two. And speaking of, right, so talk about 
spinoffs galore. Anna de Armas is apparently in talks to star in another John Wick spinoff titled Ballerina over at Lionsgate. Um, an individual with knowledge of the project told The Wrap. Ballerina follows a female assassin and will be developed as an extension to the John Wick universe. Shay Hatton, who wrote John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, also wrote the spec script that was acquired by Lionsgate in 2017. And Len Wiseman, who did Total Recall, is directing the feature. Okay. Apparently, fans of the John Wick franchise know that the ballerina character made a brief appearance in the third film of the franchise. Uh, that would be Parabellum. Right. And I watched it. I'm like, uh, who are we talking about exactly? Exactly. And that was the same way. And then I thought about it. There was that wasn't there was that part with Angelica Houston where she was directing um some ballerinas like like a song. Correct. So I'm thinking I wonder I'm if this up. is Angelica Houston's character or so whoever was on stage perhaps maybe it could be one of the other Poss- I don't know. Yeah. Possibly. So and 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 it took me just now to actually really think about that. I had a feeling it was the Angelica Houston character as I was reading the story but right. you never know. Yeah. Yeah. That that's kind of the logical conclusion. Like maybe it's her as younger, you know, right. like like this, like a continental kind of a backstory on her character or something. So, mm-hmm. who's to say? Uh, next up, though, man, who thought, I was about to say, who knew they would be mining the John Wick universe for all this IP? Yeah, no, right? Like, you know, from that from that humble movie, that humble first movie that nobody gave any mind to. And it kind of caught on with word of mouth. And now we've got, you know, multiple sequels and spinoffs now. Yeah, worked for uh, Fast and Furious. To a point. <laughs> to a point. Yeah. Uh, One Piece live action Netflix series casted Straw Hat Pirates. Um, I, I, like I was about to say, is the, wait, is the, is the Bebop live action live yet? No, on Netflix? It is coming soon, though. I believe okay. it's maybe next week, actually. Sorry to interrupt. Go no, no, you're ahead. Good, you're good. Cause, yeah, because I, I just saw a story on that that, uh, um, that actually made me curious of the same thing. And I believe that's coming, might be coming next week. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, there's going to be a One Piece uh, live action Netflix series. Oh boy. Um, so it's been four years since the live action adaptation of the. Wait, really? Uh, oh, it's been four years since the live action adaptation of the uh, um, manga and anime One Piece was announced. I did not know that. I don't remember that, but okay. And now we know who will play the leading roles as infamous Straw Hat Pirates in the Netflix series. Uh, there's a bunch of names here that I don't necessarily know of and I'm not going to read off. So, um, but yeah, they got Luffy and crew uh, on decky and the showrunner and there's no release date in that. And, uh, but there's apparently an introduction video. So, you can check that out in the article. Next. Bebop, Cowboy Bebop, the live action series on Netflix actually will be released on Friday, November 19th in oh, mere minutes. Okay. Yes, tomorrow as of this recording then. Right. So uh, I guess we will have a chance to watch this over the weekend and possibly comment on it uh, next week. Yes. 
Okay, next up. Uh, so well, this but is wait, the first. You, in... Yeah, I'm about to say, before you say, I'm sorry about that. Uh, before you get into this, so this is where uh, we're, and I think the uh, Everybody was about to say that, but this is where we get into the Disney Plus for, uh, stuff, the for the Disney Plus Day stuff that came out last week. We're not going right. to go into everything um, that was announced because there was some Pixar stuff and there was some... Um, there was some Pixar stuff, there was some dark Star Wars stuff, and some Marvel stuff. We'll probably be focusing more on that stuff outside of this particular article. Carry okay, on. so I'm going to skip this one? No, no, do it. Go ahead. No, do it. Do uh, this okay, one, just, just very quickly, Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney and, Plus. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're no. talking over each other, you were saying? No, no, I was, no that was my fault. Um, I was just saying that, no, there was just more stuff than this and whatever that we're going to talk about, but I, I had this stuff in here anyway, so go for it. Gotcha. So Disney Plus Day provided first looks at upcoming animated series on the streamer, including trailers for Big Hero 6 spinoff series Baymax and The Proud Family Louder and Prouder, a revival of the 2001 Disney Channel series, as well as Art for Zootopia Plus, a short form series based on the animated movie franchise. OK. Mm-hmm. And next now. up. We get into oh no actually this is this is after this um, Disney teases major Darkwing Duck news for 2022 so apparently on uh, Disney Plus Day there was a, an announcement for a live action animated Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie which I didn't get a um, article for but nevertheless it's, uh, in that um, uh, a script for Darkwing Duck could be spotted in the background that read production draft 2020 which is leading folks to believe that uh, there's probably going to be some dark green duck also in the future um uh which would make sense because that duck ducktails thing kind of kind of hit off and i believe they have alluded to or had dark green duck in the in the show up there which i still haven't really um so so i can't I, apparently they're also rebooting um chippendale rescue rangers with a movie. So there you go. Next up. Alrighty. Next up. So this is a big article yes. because this lists the Marvel shows announced during Disney plus day. So a lot of new superhero content is coming to the streaming service. Radicat, do you have this article up so we can alternate going through this? Sure. Alrighty. So first up, uh, they announced that X-Men 97 is coming out. And that is a new project that will pick up where the original X-Men the Animated Series ended following its five-year run between 1992 and 1997. X-Men 97 will debut in 2023. Interesting that they may be following up on some of the stories that were originally published or produced under the Fox wing. But they own Fox now, so what does it matter? Exactly. Um... And I believe there was another article that I do have attached to this saying that that gave um, the returning character the uh, voice characters, including one person who said they would never, that they didn't want to come back because it was their, because it was the person that played Jubilee and she's not Asian. Um, okay. But apparently, she's still coming back to play Jubilee, and okay. I believe the person that played Cyclops is no longer with us as of this year. So I'm not. Then they did not. Uh, the article did not announce a casting of that. I don't believe of that character. Uh, so, but next up, uh, Moon Knight uh, was also shown on this Disney Plus uh, uh, video, which is still on site, by the way. You can go check it out. And there was also um, 
So we got a logo for all of these uh, shows, but some of these shows got like first looks or some more footage behind, um, that we have not seen previous to now. Uh, and this is one of those cases because we got uh, a first look at, um, excuse me, we got first look at Isaac, Isaac, Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight and with a little teaser trailer uh, that you can check out uh, in the article uh, here. Next up is... Next up is She-Hulk. Tatiana Maslany, uh, finally confirmed, right? Uh, plays Jennifer Walters, a lawyer who inherits Hulk-like powers. Um, you know, we also got a little bit of a video mm-hmm. clip that was part of this montage that uh, was made available to Disney Plus subscribers, um, where we also uh, see Mark Ruffalo making an appearance. Uh, Disney has obviously confirmed that he's going to reprise his role as Bruce Banner. Uh, She-Hulk will hit Disney Plus sometime in 2022. Next up. Not in the sling, by the way, uh, the Hulk is, as opposed to when he showed up in uh, Shang-Chi. But uh, obviously he's had time to to heal. And yeah, I don't know. So real quick, what did you think about, uh, did you see that that, that little teaser for She-Hulk? I did. I did. I watched all of them. So I got a kick out of seeing how lean they made She-Hulk. Yes. She is not buff, but she's definitely athletic. Yes. You know, she's not one of the... Uh, think back, ladies and gentlemen, of a certain vintage to American Gladiators. Uh, <laughs> this is okay. not one of the... It's not a depiction of one of the more buff female gladiators. It's one of the more athletic gladiators. Sure. And there was also a very uh, classic reference to uh, the old uh, in, uh, Incredible Hulk series that was used here right off the bat, which I was like, okay. Oh, yes. I appreciate that. I appreciated that. Exactly. I definitely appreciated that. Jinx, mm-hmm. right? Right. <laughs> uh, but next up, let's see, we got Miss Marvel, which uh, also has some, uh, a teaser trailer um, um, yeah, on uh, or some, some footage show up here, because we've had teaser trailers before now, but um, but this is uh, another in the line of uh, official teaser traders where we see uh, Kamala Khan, and I believe we see a little bit of uh, her power use. This is one I did not get to see yet, actually. Um, but I believe they do show off a little bit of her powers in this uh, teaser. And yeah, just uh, a touch, yeah. just a touch. I think they're still going to give us a lot of a, a lot more to kind of figure out mm-hmm. in terms of how they're adapting her powers to the big sc- or the small screen, right? So next up, next up is Echo. Um, so Hawkeye won't debut until a couple of weeks, until a week from now. Mm-hmm. But Disney already has plans for a live action spinoff starring Alaco Cox's character, Maya Lopez. Echo we will learn more about Lopez when Hawkeye starts streaming on November 24th. Uh, spoiler alert. I might, might get into an advanced screening of Hawkeye early next week i'll find out tomorrow oh interesting which because wait because yeah because that starts on the 24th so how much right are you but i might be able to see it on monday oh wow okay cool right yeah. you know th- this is a this is a benefit to the i don't subscribe to marvel unlimited uh the 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 upper tier mm-hmm. but i know someone who does and i've been invited along so hopefully we'll find out tomorrow uh, from the date of this recording, whether or not we'll be able to go on Monday. I should have checked my uh, emails then. Um, and also, uh, 
think I am can't remember which tier of Marvel Unlimited I am in. Regardless, I'm next... on the I'm on the budget tier, the lowest tier. So I don't get the action figure. I don't get the um all the all the cool stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I was in that tier for a good while, and I think I might actually have fallen back down to the um to, to the, the budget tier. tier. Yeah, I think I can't remember honestly. But regardless, uh, next up is uh, we get a um, we get the logo for Ironheart. Uh, right. Forgive me for always yelling out Ironheart because I think of the Jean Claude Van Damme movie Lionheart. Oh, I, I apologize, was... folks. That is a dated reference I from an admittedly dated post. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Braveheart. Honestly, no Lionheart because they don't yell out Braveheart in Braveheart. Don't do they? No. Okay, I don't know. Oh, they yell out freedom. That is true. So yeah, but Dominique though was starting. That is Dominic. our second Mel Gibson reference of yeah, the night. Isn't that Wait, crazy? This is, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, we really <laughs> um, <laughs> they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. That's number three. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm not a big Mel Fiction Gibson fan at this point, so just this is real silly. Anyway. Dominic Thor was talking. I was about to say I choose I choose to remember the 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 the, the, the movies I had a lot of fun with, like Agreed. Lethal Weapon, one of my favorite movies of all time. Agreed. Um, sure. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Riri Williams, aka Lion. I, I was saying now you got me saying it. Uh, <laughs> you were gonna say Lionheart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but and we know um, which is a different Marvel character, by the way. That is true. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Captain uh, Captain Britain's kind of spinoff. Right. Uh, Dominic Thorne with Star Wars. We already know that, but like I said, all we got is a uh, is a logo here, though. And next up, alrighty. Next up is, uh, you know, it was all along. We get the announcement that Agatha House of Darkness is going to have, uh, you know, is going to be the title of a new show, of the live action spinoff series for the uh, for Catherine Hahn's WandaVision character, and uh, that'll be coming out at some point in the future. Indeed. And next up is Secret Invasion, which um, <clears throat> uh, we got actually a two blink of view mix um, 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 image of Samuel Jackson sans eye patch, weirdly right. enough, just looking towards the camera, as you can see here on the uh, if you're watching the video version. But we also got the logo right. for Secret Invasion. Right, kind of straight out of Winter Soldier, like when he takes off the eye patch to activate the uh, security protocol. Yes, and also weirdly enough, from Agents of Shield, where he was like, "I got my eye on you," right, oh, and everything, which no one remembers that because no one watched uh, Agents of Shield. But uh, next up, uh, we have the season two uh, logo pop up for uh, what if season two, and next. Oh, and we get an announcement of something that has uh, created some stir among the fandom. Hmm. We have the announcement of another animated series where Marvel plans to tell the story of Peter Parker before he became Spider-Man in the MCU. The title is Spider-Man Freshman Year. The studio says this one will celebrate the character's early comic book roots. And I think what a lot of people are afraid of is that it's going to yet be another time to see Ben, uh, Uncle Ben Parker uh, bite the big one. Yeah, quite likely. Um, 
but I guess we'll see. And yes, yeah, it's called Spider-Man Freshman Year, as Agent 7, I think, may have said. And next yes. up, we have um, I Am Groot, which apparently it's time for Groot to shine. Everyone's favorite Guardians of the Galaxy character will star in his own animated series uh, titled I Am Groot. Again, no release date, uh, but uh, Kristen Lepore, best known for short films like Sweet Dreams and Bottle, will direct the project. Next. All right, and last but not least, uh, you know what the MCU is missing? Zombies, said no one ever, according to this Engadget article, but that didn't stop Disney from greenlighting an animated series that will pit some of your favorite heroes against an endless undead tide. This is straight out of the Marvel's What If animated series. Right. And I believe, so the word um, this article doesn't necessarily go into, but I believe, no, Maybe it doesn't. I thought there was a Hawkeye spot also, but this next article um, is from the from um, Sunday. But anyway, uh, uh, Hawkeye TV spot reveals who makes the Avengers trick arrows. There was a TV spot that showed up during um, uh, uh, Sunday Night Football, and it right. shows uh, Clint making arrows. Um. Uh, and I guess some footage that we have also seen already. Next up. I did see that while I was watching the game, so that was pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got, uh, during Disney Plus Day, uh, a first look, a first behind-the-scenes look at Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, we finally get some uh, footage uh, you know, we get we get a uh, you know we get some we get a video. The video is mostly an interview with Obi Wan himself, Ewan McGregor, who gushes about his excitement for the show and for Star Wars in general. McGregor says that he's especially excited to be reunited with his prequel co-star Hayden Christensen, who will return in his role as Darth Vader. During the interview, the trailer cuts to a few pieces of concept art, which don't reveal much about the show but do look great. We also get to see Christensen training for a lightsaber battle. A welcome promise. We also get a little bit of di- get a little bit of information and uh, uh, from uh, director Deborah Chow. Yeah, and apparently, according to this article, um, Ice Cube's son is going to be in this uh, alongside um, Kumail Nanjani from you know recently The Eternals and right. Han and from, Han. Yeah, and Han <laughs> from Fast and Furious. So. That's going to be funny because I keep forgetting that he's in this thing. Um, Next up, we get a first look from, I don't know if this was on the site or anything, but we do definitely get a first look from, and actually I think this might be old, but I thought I saw something that said there was something uh, on Disney Plus Day that might have shown up. But um, this particular trailer is from, I think this particular article, maybe from last year. So about Star Wars Andor and the uh, first look therein. So we're just going to brush past that because that was the closest thing I could come for to anything uh, else from Disney Plus Day about that particular project. Next up. Alrighty, next up in some unfortunate news. There is a delay in the production of Star Wars Rogue Squadron, and this delay is reportedly due to creative differences. 
So the recent production delay of Patty Jenkins's, that's the director, Rogue Squadron, is reportedly the latest clash between a Star Wars filmmaker and Lucasfilm executives. Uh, if a new report is to be believed, Patty Jenkins's Rogue Squadron, as I said, is the latest Star Wars movie to run up against these, quote, creative differences between a filmmaker and Lucasfilm executives. Puck has published a new essay claiming Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy should be replaced as the head of Star Wars. And the outlet claims it's spoken to sources inside Lucasfilm who feel the same. According to the piece, it's this behind-the-scenes tension that led to Rogue Squadron's recent production delay. Allegedly, Jenkins clashed creatively with executives under Kennedy's employ, including Senior Vice President Michelle Raywan. If true, then Rogue Squadron is just the latest Star Wars film since Disney's purchase of the media franchise that has undergone an upset due to disagreements between the creatives and the executives. Okay. The piece so, details uh, apparently uh, new issues, you know, into an ongoing narrative that began in 2012 when uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm. Right. So a couple of things to note, and I thought almost about not putting this in the lineup, but you know, because one, there has been a lot of uh, quote unquote websites or whatnot that you know for reasons that are kind of uh, dumb personally don't like the way um, um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is handling things because you know we won't get into all that but regardless she ain't going nowhere because I believe she just got re-upped uh, for another three years yeah her contract was just extended if I'm not mistaken yes. uh, so she ain't going nowhere anytime soon now the rest of that being if there was indeed clashes or this particular quote unquote outlet whoever this is is making stuff up because they're like um muckraking um because again there are those um those type folks that are doing this kind of stuff because they're stupid and they don't like see things change so they make up these stories for that particular case whether that's the case and whether whether there's anything else behind this who's to say i, I know there's a, been a couple other outlets that picked up on this i don't know whether there's any validity to any of that. So, and I don't know what that pucky is, but I suspect it's probably one of those sites. Regardless, the big news, um, ladies and gentlemen, and you've probably seen this, uh, unless you've been under a rock or actively trying not to, um, to, uh, to, to, to see this, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer has been released. Um, uh, and I will go ahead and say that uh, in our clickbait section that there was a um, reaction video from Tom Holland, uh, Zendaya, and uh, Jacob Benelon. I can't remember how to, how he pronounces his name, but um, I think it's just Battleon. Battleon. Like thank you. Okay. Uh, that came out the day before the trailer hit, but I think they in, went back and interspersed the trailer uh, underneath it and released it afterwards. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure about that part because I don't think they were aware that the, the, the trailer was showing underneath them. But regardless, you can see that in our in the clickbait section. But that being said, like I said, the trailer did drop. Um, I watched it. I believe Agent 70 also dropped, uh, watched it. Oh, wait, no, you didn't yes. watch it. I did watch it. I did, did watch, watch it. it. Okay. I just didn't watch the reaction. Gotcha. That's right. You did say that. 
So, what do you think? Very interesting. Because I definitely subscribe to the conspiracy theory or the, the mild conspiracy theory. It's not a real conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. That they scrubbed out the images of several characters that are probably going to make an appearance in this movie mm-hmm. from the trailer. Because uh, the lizard makes a suspicious movement in one of the, in one of the scenes I did that's shown. That, yes. And uh, it's like a phantom hit him. And, you know, we wonder what that phantom was. Or who. Exactly. But yes, other than that, it was great. Like, it does seem to be kind of a, a reverse Spider-Verse-ish in a, in a kind of a way. Um, there was a reference. I was watching, a, um, obviously, because this trailer dropped and there are, um, you know, those Easter egg videos that, that people put out because of content. It says, hey, here's the Easter eggs you might might have missed. And, and uh, a couple of them that I kind of brushed up against was like, uh, well, one of my brush up against was like there was a reference that Doctor Strange made in this to Scooby doing it, and right? The, and the the video kind of mentioned it was like, well, it's about just the fact that Scooby Doo is you know, you know, it's Scooby Doo, and they solve mysteries, and they get the plucky teens getting together to solve mysteries. Yeah, but I, I assumed it was because it was a bunch of kids, right? But I think it goes a little further than that because there was a particular Scooby Doo show uh, from years back called Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo where. Uh, I think they ended up letting out a bunch of ghosts by mistake and they have to go back and recapture them. And I believe this, and I, this is just me believing this, and uh, maybe somebody else says that, that given what's going on in this, in this, um, in this, uh, in this trailer and particularly with a particular box might be more along that line. You got me on that one. I have watched you got me of, on that one. I've watched a so, lot of TV folks. So, <laughs> so what it comes so I guess the one thing I would I would add before we move on. Yes. And this isn't really a spoiler, but we essentially get if you've watched this trailer, spo- mild spoiler alert if you have not watched this trailer, is that we essentially have seen what amounts to a version of the Sinister Six. We have five mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. revealed so far. Whether or not we get a sixth character, whether or not we get more than six, there is a tease of maybe more than six coming in. Mm-hmm. We don't know what role Michael Keaton's Vulture is going to play. We also yeah. don't know what role, if any, um, Tom Hardy's Venom may play or may not play based on how Venom 2's uh, post credit scene may or may not play into this. True, So. True. We don't know, which provides for a lot of speculation fodder um, leading up to this Spider-Man movie, which is not far away anymore. Tickets go on sale on Cyber Monday. Yes, it's not yeah. far from home. Far- um, yeah, I think the only other thing, and uh, there was, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. We could talk about this afterwards. But yeah, there was like the, the thing that Doc Ock was being held in looked like the uh, the cell from Avengers, but I, I don't know. People are saying otherwise. Um, either way, yeah, we'll see when it happens. And obviously, there's the talk of like, are you going to go see this in the theater? And I'm sitting, creeping very much closer to yes. Oh, yeah. Then I'll no. be there. Yeah. You know, I will I be there. Have... We will be in movie protocol. 
Yeah, even though I don't want to have the same issue that I had um, from my last <laughs> outing. Agent 70 is still laughing at me about that. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Only I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at my recollection of the story that you told us on air mm-hmm. about the awfulness that your uh, seat neighbor um, was exhibiting in your theater. Yes, yeah, so you can go back. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago? What was what's the last week or two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, but that was what? It was two weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks when the Eternals came out. For uh, mm-hmm. go back to that episode for that uh, that story because I'm not going to recount it here. But anyway, let's keep this train. I, I consider my. I was about to say I consider myself fortunate that I'm usually surrounded by people I know in the yeah. theater, so uh, I don't have to worry too much about that uh, insanity. Although that doesn't account for the people in front of or behind me, so right. you never know. Yeah, I don't have that luxury. But moving on, uh, Fraggle Rock, back to the rock. Oh, no, I was going to say, this is mine, so I'll take this one. Uh, Fraggle Rock, back to the rock, back to the rock. Uh, Trailer shows the Fraggles returning for an Apple TV Plus reboot. So those of a certain era, I mean, come on. It's a certain vintage. Those of a certain era will recall that Jim Henson's Muppets were for a relatively brief period in the 80s joined by the colorful, carefree Fraggles. The 22-inch tall, that was that specific, the 22-inch tall citizens of Fraggle Rock. Uh, let's see. While it was announced last year that Apple TV Plus had ordered a full, a new full-length series off the back of the successful Fraggle Rock Rock On shorts, a trailer for the reboot Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock has just been released. The trailer certainly lives up to Apple's earlier promise to capture the, quote, same spirit of the classic with its bold litany of colors and characters backed by that catchy old theme song. Classic Fraggles Gobo, Red, Wembley, Moki, and Boober are all there, and a statement from Apple promises a new collection of Fraggle characters. Okay. I really hope people have been hearing us this whole time, because something looked like it looks like it was muted. Oh, no! Um, so that kind of bothers me. Um... But we're going to keep pushing. And if it doesn't, I'll have to fix the YouTube version. Um, because the audio is fine, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. But no one said anything, so uh, go figure. Uh, the Batman animated series gets uh, a remastered Blu-ray release. Uh, and it's going to be available February 1st, 2022. It's going to be the fully remastered series of 65 episodes. And uh, like I said, it's going to be on Blu-ray. Next up, uh, Netflix's Avatar: The Last Airbender adds Kim's convenience alum Paul Sun Hyung Lee, uh, Lim K Su, and Ken Leung to cast and begins production. Yeah, so apparently Paul Sun Hyung Lee is playing uh, Iroh. So that's cool. Um, which I can kind of see that because not hearing, having heard him in other stuff, like yeah, I can. Obviously, Mako's died, so you know he could not uh, reprise that role, and he in fact died halfway through um, 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 the 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 animated version. So that's uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, cool. 
Uh, hopefully, it's better than that movie that uh, the M Night did. Anyway, next up, uh, Sesame Street introduces first Asian American Muppet Ji Young. Um, hold on, hold on. We have a particular sound effect for this. You would wonder why it took so long, but that's, we will get to that in a second. Uh, well, actually, that's this article is not going to say so. But regardless, Sesame Street is making history by introducing his uh, first Asian-American Muppet. Uh, on Monday, the public show welcomed Ji Young, a seven-year-old Korean-American, to its uh, family of puppet characters. Uh, Sesame Workshop puppeteer Kathleen Kim performs the historic character. Uh, now, you might be wondering why we're talking about this on a comic book chronicle show. Well, um, uh, Sesame Street also announced a new TV special that celebrates the diversity of the As- Asian and Pacific Islander community, debuting on Thanksgiving. Uh, CS Coming Together, a Sesame Street special, will feature celebrity guests such as um, Shang-Chi himself, uh, Simu Liu, Top Shelf host uh, Padme Lakshmi, to all the boys I've loved before, actor Anna Cathcart, and uh, more germane to this particular crowd, comic book artist Jim Lee, uh, chef Melissa King, and tennis star Naomi uh, Osaka. Uh, the new special will be available to watch on HBO Max, PBS Kids, uh, Sesame Street's YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram channels. So that's pretty cool. Yes, um, and also cool. this article also goes into a little bit of backstory, or not backstory, into the story of probably what what they're going to be talking about um, uh, uh, during the course of that special. But also the impetus seemed like uh, uh, of why uh, this character is introduced. So, next up, all righty, next up. Uh, what do we have here next up? Hold on, I'm flipping past here. Ooh, The Matrix Resurrections gets a new poster with a little over a month between... I can't believe we only have a little bit over a month mm-hmm. for the release of The Matrix Resurrections. Warner Brothers has released a new poster for the film. The Matrix Resurrections hits theaters and HBO Max on December 22nd. Wow. Yeah, my mom's birthday. Nice. Um, like right on the heels, like literally right on the heels of Spidey. I was about to say that too. Yeah, because it's like a week. Less. Is it? Spidey's out on the 17th. Oh. It's five days. Right. Okay. So, so yeah. the poster doesn't reveal much in the way of new information about the film, but it does offer a good look at Neo looking once again, once again similar to how he did when he entered the Matrix in the original trilogy. Uh, it's not a huge shock. The poster doesn't give away much. But um, what it does show is uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen as the new version of um, – uh, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on – Morpheus. And it also shows um, uh, the actress who played Colleen Wing with uh, some funky-looking hair on the other side of Trinity. Jessica Henwick. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Yaya's looking like the Joker in that, in that outfit. I'm just gonna say that real quick. So. <laughs> but, outside of that, yeah, it's supposed to, folks. 
Uh, and that is it for the cinematic news. We're going to flip over quickly to the comic book news. The new pocket-sized R2-D2 Tamagotchi is big fun, apparently, according to StarWars.com, which sounds a little biased, but hey. Um, so apparently, the, 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 the big thing here is there is a R2-D2 Tamagotchi um, made by Bandai. Excuse me. And apparently, it's going to have mini-games, surprise character appearances like, uh, I think, Yoda and Boba Fett, and uh, as this article says, Charm to Spare. So, uh, looks like it's going to be in two flavors. Uh, I don't see pricing for this, but I suspect it's, yeah, it's going to be some price. Next up. Poissandra joins Power Rangers battle for the grid next week. Okay. So, uh, is this a, is this a video game? Yep. Okay, because I didn't open the article. So back in September, Enway revealed that Poissandra of Power Rangers Dino Charge was joining the fight in Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Now her time has come as she will be available to use starting November 16th. That's already uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Based on the trailer included in this article, Poissandra is going to be a strong character. Poissandra's not alone, though. Coming from the Boom Studios comics, the Grave Zord is being added as a new Megazord option for you to choose from. The Grave Zord is a conglomeration of various destroyed Zords in the world of the coinless and definitely one of the coolest looking Zords out there. Poissandra is available for $5.99 or as part of Season 4, which is $14.99, while the Grave Zord is free to all players. Next month, next month, fans will finally be able to bring the one and only Rita Repulsa to the battle. Who do you want to see next in Battle for the Grid? Okay. I forgot who's actually next. Um, who's actually left? I don't know where. There's a lot of people left. But anyway, Gundam based to make uh, San Diego Comic Con debut with pop up installation. So, stateside Gundam fans will be delighted to learn that Gundam base will finally be making its debut at the upcoming San Diego Comic Con, which apparently is still going on, I guess. Um, during the event, Gundam base will be getting its own pop up installation uh, at SCCC, the first of its kind to ever set foot outside of Asia. There you'll find more than 150 different projects on offer, including SDCC's own exclusives, as well as a host of models that are usually only available at other Gundam-based stores across Tokyo uh, and other places. Yeah, so basically, November 26th to 28th, if you're out there for San Diego Comic-Con, a better person than I am. One and two. Hey, look up for this uh, for this pop up if you're a Gundam fan. Next up, next up, Marvel's Avengers video game shows off some of its Spider-Man suits. Crystal Dynamics has shown off some of the costumes that will be available for Spider-Man when he's added to the PlayStation version of the game later this month. Among the final lineup are suits based on his look from Secret War and Spider-Man Noir. So uh, Roddy Cat can show some of the suits here. The seven suits revealed so far can be seen in the gallery. The classic suit is based on the original drawings of Spider-Man. And we get uh, uh, there are two spider armor suits, the Mark I and the Mark III, which shows the evolution of the armored spider design. We get the uh, the classic armored web of Spidey 
uh, armored art from the web of Spidey issue number 100. And the Mark III is inspired by the ends of the Earth suit from Amazing Spider-Man number 682. And we also get the Spider-Man Noir suit also. Mm-hmm. And these are just some of the final designs, apparently. Yeah, and apparently there's a suit where he's just in a mask and got his camera. So, um, quote-unquote suit. I'm going to take these next two. Uh, Spider-Man oh. joins Marvel's Avengers on November 30th, speaking of. I believe that uh, Agent 7 might have just said that, but... Um, no, I didn't have a date. It just said later this month. Okay, yeah, because I don't remember when that article came out. Uh, but after much teasing, Spider-Man's debut in uh, Marvel's Avengers has a date. The friendly neighborhood's web slinger will appear in the game as a new downloadable character, but only on PS4 uh, and PS5. Because Marvel's Avengers is on Xbox, but I guess it's not coming there. Well, I guess obviously, <laughs> Spider-Man being a Sony property in, in part, that you can understand why it's not coming to the Xbox. Uh, or at least not anytime soon, if it does actually come. But a new trailer on Thursday shows Spider-Man jumping into the fray against some AIM uh, soldiers. Spidey will be a part of the upcoming Space Station exclusive expansion. There you go, with great power. That comes out on November 30th, that's said. Um, and also among that, there was another um, trailer that came out. Um, apparently that shows Spidey playing uh, D&D. With uh, some of the other Avengers characters, um, see, so it's a trailer which uh, features a, a variety of dynamic images with uh, narration from Peter Parker. See Spider-Man addressing his fans via a social media live stream, updating them on his whereabouts and apologizing for his absence. Uh, Spidey confesses that taking down AIM is hard work. Um, he nonetheless has been enjoying hanging out with the Avengers, who are surprisingly normal during uh, downtime. Peter, Peter is seen playing video games with Kate Bishop, eating pizza with Black Widow, researching gamma radiation with Bruce Banner, and pranking Tony Stark with Kamala Khan. So, there you go. Next up. Next up. Uh, so, this is some, infra, some, some uh, teaser uh, news from the February solicits that were officially released today in terms of our uh, recording date so for those of you who are watching us live or listening to us live and you're up late especially if you're on the east coast um this is part of the february solicits goodbye green goblin hello queen goblin there's a new goblin villain coming to town this february the queen goblin so um it looks like this other Goblin is going to be added to the ranks of the Spider-Man Rogues Gallery. Queen Goblin will debut in February 2nd, 2022's Amazing Spider-Man number 88 and continue to plague Ben Riley in his new job as Spider-Man at least through Amazing Spider-Man number 90. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man group editor Nick Lowe says Queen Goblin was apparently one of the coolest ideas from their Beyond Story Summit. So, okay. Uh, we will see how that goes. And we're going to see the Queen Goblin in uh, Amazing Spidey 88 through 90, probably. Sure. And I guess we don't know who it is yet, uh, since it's a totally new character, but it's probably some Gwen Catnam style. Um, new heroic version. No! <laughs> no uh, slander on Gwen. No, definitely not. Well, I mean, hey, David, well... We're, we'll get to that also. In, uh, yeah, we'll in, get to that. I know. Um, new heroic versions of Miles Morales emerge from the multiverse in What If Miles Morales? 
so uh, on the 15th, I guess, uh, fans got their first glimpse at an exciting alternate uh, w- version of Wolverine from the reality where Miles Morales took over the mantle. Uh, and this March, prepare to see Miles Morales take on the legacy of an even of even more of your favorite Marvel heroes in a new series titled "What If Miles Morales." Uh, see the new spin on the classic "What If" series will explore the Marvel Comics uh, multiverse and answer the question: What if Miles Morales followed in the footsteps of a Marvel hero other than Spider-Man? Uh, each issue all-star creators will introduce the saga of a new version of miles morales and it all begins with writer cody ziegler which i thought was a wrestler uh and artist paco medina and the friendly neighborhood captain america and you can see the cover by sarah bacelli if you're watching the uh, the video which i'm gonna assume that's stalling behind him in the, in the falcon outfit so yeah stay tuned for that folks Next. Okay, so this is just a brief uh, spoiler article mm-hmm. uh, that reviews Venom number one uh, that that actually uh, reveals something from Venom number one that I probably glossed over. And it's basically a power upgrade for Eddie Brock. And Eddie Brock, for those of you who are not reading King in Black, has now become basically the king of the symbiotes or the god of the symbiotes. And... Uh, in last week's Venom number one, uh, or was it two weeks ago? Or was it last week? I think it was last week. It might have been last week, yeah. Right. Eddie Brock got a new power. So, spoiler alert, he can also piggyback on the minds of all symbiotes throughout time, resulting in some pretty freaky visions, which provides an easy way for writers Al Ewing and Ram V to tease what's coming up in the series. Okay. Sure. Uh, superstar artist Greg Land, uh, Agent Seventy and Dirt's favorite. I was about to say, who wrote this? <laughs> who wrote this? Pays homage to Gwen Stacy and Superstar. New... <laughs> I think this is hyperbole to the nth level. <laughs> superstar artist Greg Land's pays. My neighbors to... are probably trying to figure out why I'm screaming at this early hour of the AM. Indeed, uh, pays homage to Gwen Stacy and New Spider Gwen Gwenverse covers. So normally I would have put this in variant covers section, uh, which there are some, um, there is definitely some more um, uh, related materials in there, but this one I had to put in for obvious reasons. Uh, announced this morning at the Mary Sue, Gwen Stacy is back in an all new series this February. That's also the other uh, reason why I put this in here. Gwen Stacy, aka Ghost Spider, will travel through time encountering different versions of herself in Spider Gwen, Gwenverse. Uh, by writer Tim Seeley and artist Jody Nish, uh, Nishijima. Uh, and to celebrate uh, Marvel Comics' Sweetheart's New Era, Sweetheart's New Era, superstar artist, again, Gray Land has delivered gorgeous covers for each issue of the limited series. Uh, it should note that this article is coming from Marvel.com, so take that for what it is. Uh, these pinup style covers pay homage to Land's iconic variation cover of Edge of Spider Verse number two, Sp- uh, Ghost Spider's first appearance when she was known as Spider Gwen, uh, and features Gwen in a series of outfits, including her time as Nightbird in the recent Heroes of Burn Born Night Gwen one shot. And as I quickly scrolled through this uh, article, well, actually, well, 
Yeah, it only shows that one, but here you go. There's one, there's another, there's another, and there's another, and that's the last one. There's the covers, folks. Go with Grace. Next up. Apologies, folks. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, in our next article, Marvel's new Iron Fist has different powers than Danny Rand. So the new Iron Fist will not be a carbon copy of Danny Rand and will possess an entirely different, more different, more live fighting style. Writer Alyssa Wong revealed in a recent interview. Um, quote, what she can say or what I can say is that he's taken a slightly unorthodox path to becoming an Iron Fist, which not everyone in Kunlun is pleased about, Wong told IGN. He's also been trained by several different people including some familiar faces. His fighting style is influenced by them. Something we don't always see in male superheroes is emphasis on agility over sheer power, so I wanted to give him a more acrobatic style, the kind you might associate with a cat burglar. As for his powers, they're strange. They're tied into his origin story with an intense Iron Fist twist. You'll have to read it to find out more. So Alyssa Wong will pen the upcoming five-issue Iron Fist miniseries alongside penciler Michael YG, the series introduces a new living weapon who appears to possess the same deadly chi punches as Danny Rand, but is of Asian descent and may be a completely new character. Though fans have speculated that anyone from Shang-Chi to Lin Lei, the hero also known as Swordmaster, might be the ones under the yellow and green mask. Hmm. So, well, if it was Shang-Chi, that means it's probably going to... I, I kind of doubt it, but... Yeah, makes... I doubt it. That would kind of make sense given the given MCU standards. I mean, given given MCU, because like I said earlier, they kind of seem like they could have. I might have said this before the show, but they they seemed like they could have set up uh, Kunlun quite easily with in the in the in the. Uh, no, we did. Yeah, we said it during the show. We said it during okay. the show, and I think that they'll they'll eventually bring in a version of Iron Fist through the Shang Chi uh, mythology that they created in this movie. Right. That's what I. Also, whether or not it's a movie or a TV show is another story. Sure. Also, Swordmaster. I totally forgot about that character even existing. Um, well, he kind of came and went as a result of the uh, that wave of uh, of books that we saw. Um, <laughs> and yeah, right. And uh, and ultimately, we saw him with the agents, right? Agents of, of Atlas. Uh, mm-hmm. Of Atlas. Um, and you know, we've yet to see them reappear as a group. So, you know, we'll see where that character is. Or we may see them reemerge in the wake of uh, the reveal if this is, in fact, Lin Lee right. of, uh, 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 of the revelation of this character taking on the Iron Fist mantle. Actually, I thought it was Lin Lai. Lin Lai? I, yeah. I can't remember. Because um, I thought it was Lin Lai. Uh, not, it's not L-E-I, but L-I. Or not L-I, actually. Was it L-I-E? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. Doesn't right. Matter. Because neither of us are Chinese, so neither of us can really speak authoritatively exactly. on it. Exactly. And we haven't really had a chance to hear anyone pronounce it for us like we did Shang-Chi. Right. So uh, I'm not sure if it's Lin Lia. Right. You know, which it might be. So. Right. And I could have sworn it was, sworn it was uh, um, spelled differently is, is what I was basically getting into. But um, no, apparently not. So, okay. Never mind. Moving right along. Let's keep, keep this going. No, it is actually. It's, L- it's L-I-E. 
Right. So I'm not sure if it's uh, like Leah, like Al, like like uh, like Leah Williams. Right. Well, this article so, is spelling it L E I, but that's probably a typo. Oh, okay. So no, it's L I E, I think. Right. So either way, we don't know who it is, and we'll find out then uh, when it, when that happens. Marvel's new. Right. Wait, is this you or me? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I did Iron Fist, so you're yeah, next. You got the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, sort of that. Okay. Marvel's new Sorcerer Supreme gets an ongoing series in March. Uh, this March, the Marvel Universe's new Sorcerer Supreme, who Marvel Comics has promised to name in December, will get their new, they get their own title. And weirdly enough, it's a title we already know, sort of. The new title is simply called Strange. Uh, judging by newly released teaser art by Bjorn Behrens announcing the series. Uh, however, the file name of the teaser art is listed as Dr. Strange teaser, which may be a slight but ultimately incidental discrepancy or according to this article or which could indicate something about who the new uh, Social Supreme might be. I'm hoping it's Zelma Staten, but I very much doubt it. Um... Remember, Strange isn't a part of a title that's passed down like the Social Supreme is Stephen Strange's actual name, uh, according to this article. So, I guess we'll find out in December's uh, Doctor Strange Death... I mean, excuse me, Death of Doctor Strange number four, um, who this person may or may not be. Next up. Okay, next up, uh, Marvel... This is a spoiler for... Dark Ages number three. Is that out this week? Yes. So I did not read this. Neither did so, I. But this is spoilers for Dark Ages number three. So Marvel Comics just showed off the darkest side of Quicksilver in this issue of Dark Ages number three out this week. As the hero was just mind controlled into killing some of his closest allies. And as a speed based hero, you can kind of surmise how this was done. You know, what, what they showed him doing. Yeah. And this is uh, kind of an Elseworlds thing anyway, so it's not like it's in the 616, so it doesn't really matter who he killed. Right. Which I kind of hate saying it like that, because, you know, I, I, I like to treat these stories as stories regardless of whether they're canon or not, but hey, it is what it is. The Watcher gets his own comic as part of uh, Marvel's The Reckoning War. So, fresh off his return from the dead, which I totally almost pretty much forgot about, Uatu the Watcher will be starring in his own comic book one shot as a part of Marvel Comics' 2022 event, The Reckoning War. Uh, quote unquote, one of the key players in all of this is Uatu. Uh, the Reckoning War, Dan Ryder, excuse me, Dan Ryder, Dan Slot tells Newsarama. Something about this is incredibly, incredibly tied to something so fundamental in the Marvel Universe that the Watchers bore witness to. And this article goes on to say that, you know, Watu uh, uh, has pretty much broken the Watchers' vow on many, 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 many occasions in the Marvel Universe. And yes, he has. Uh, so yeah, not, not unlikely for, for Watu. Also, as if you've watched uh, What If, you've, you've seen that. Um, anyway, next up. Hmm, I just passed over an interesting article I'm going to pass on to Roddy Cat after okay. the show. Sure. Um, next up. Uh, Marvel Shang-Chi recruits Excalibur artist Marcus Toe as its new series artist. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting, because I, I commented earlier that Marcus Toe has done a good job of sticking with, mostly sticking with the Excalibur book and staying, keeping that book on schedule. So I'm glad to see that uh, Marcus Toe is um, uh, shifting gears over to the Shang-Chi book. Get Marcus Toe yeah. will take over the Jean Luen Yang written Shang-Chi series beginning with February 16th, 2022, Shang-Chi number nine. Taking the reins from original series artist D.K. Ruan, Toe will begin in what the publisher calls the next new phase of Shang-Chi's legend. Uh, let's see, is there anything else in here? Uh, this means his time as the Excalibur artist comes to an end. Toe was the series artist since its 2019 debut, drawing almost all of the issues. His final issue appears to be December's Excalibur number 26. Okay. Yeah, apparently he's uh, he's done some Shang Chi work, Shang uh, Shang Chi work before. Excuse me, because he wrote. Uh, I mean, he uh, illustrated Yang's Shang Chi story in Marvel's Voices Identity anthology. Right. So there you go. Oh, interesting. And also, and also he did a how to show uh, how to draw Shang Chi video for Marvel's YouTube page recently. So. Interesting. I wonder what's going to happen to DK Ruan, who's doing some, who's done some good work on this. Yeah, that is a question because it doesn't. This article doesn't necessarily say anything about that part. Um, so that's be curious if that information comes out. Uh, DC hands the power of Shazam to the former Mar- Mary Marvel in a new miniseries. So Mary Bromfield, um, big bit of Batson's big sister and superhero, formerly known as Mary Marvel, will step into her little brother's shoes in 2022. Courtesy of DC Comics, uh, Polygon can reveal that when Billy steps out of the role, which I thought he already had, um, but then I haven't been reading that, that series, uh, Mary will wield the power of Shazam in The New Champion of Shazam, a new four-issue miniseries from writer Josie Campbell and fan-favorite Shazam artist uh, Evan Doc Shaner, whose work I definitely do like. Um, then it, this goes on to go through a little bit of history of Mary Marvel... And a little bit of the synopsis of the first issue. Uh, again, new champion of Shazam will hit shelves on February 8th, 2022. And you can p- check out the full cover and Shaner's um, character designs from Mary's costume below. This on this article. Next up. All right. DC reveals a twisted new generation of villains is coming. Um... This is these are spoilers for Joker number nine. So apparently, uh, in this book, uh, this is by James Tenney in the fourth, and Jim Gordon has been on a globe-trotting manhunt to kill the Joker once and for all. But now he and Joker have stumbled onto a much bigger conspiracy, C O N spiracy, that's been brewing in the DC underworld. In Joker Chapter 15, the monster maker Gordon and the new female Bane, Vengeance, track Joker to the island of Majorca. Blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so apparently the horror reveals come, the horror reveal comes when uh, Gordon and Joker, when Bomb shows Gordon and Joker vats of failed Joker clones, all living, laughing, deformed nightmares. Okay. Yeah, sure. Clones, clones, clones. Gotta uh, love it. I don't know if anybody's reading that Joker book, but okay. Next up, though. 
Uh, get a preview of Aquaman number one from DC Comics and uh, ICV two. <clears throat> uh, this article kind of goes through a uh, the um, I guess the press release uh, description of Aquaman number one, but it, uh, we can tell you it's being written by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas with art by Sammy Basri and Adriano Lucas, and it launches on February twenty second. Um, let's see. Is there anything else in here? Is there some art pages in here and some? You can check out some images from from the book. Uh, and also, let's see. It says that um, the final issue of Black Manta, also written by Chuck Brown, is uh, going to be in February. And the final issue of uh, Aquaman: The Becoming miniseries, which is going on right now and leads into um, the Aquaman launch. Uh, is also on sale in February. So yeah, for some strange reason, uh, February is Aquaman month. Not necessarily, not really, but got a lot of Aquaman books coming out. Next. Next up. So this is some spoilers for Justice League Last Ride number seven. I think this is last week. I believe so. Uh, um, Justice League Last Ride number seven by Chip Zdarsky, Miguel Mendonca. Enrica Angiolini and Anne World Design introduced perhaps one of the multiverse's most powerful incarnations of the Martian Manhunter ever by making him a living construct of the Green Lantern core energy. And apparently he should retain this newfound power, according to this article. Okay, interesting. I don't know if you're reading this. I am not. I am not. I had thought about it, and no. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Previews Battle with Granola's... Granola. Good gosh. Real enemy. <laughs> hey, you gotta, you gotta love... I forget... Oh, I, I, I just blanked on the name of the uh, the Dragon Ball creator, but he loves his food references. Akira Toriyama, and yes, he does. Yes. Because as if you did not know most, if not all of... Well, most. I'm not gonna say all of them, because most of the heroes in... Uh, especially if they're Saiyan, are named after food. Uh, and obviously, Bulma's family are named after pants. So, yeah. Uh, Toriyama's got a sense of humor on him. So, yeah, uh, this is spoiler. Oh, and also he references um, uh, Disney as well. Does he? Well, in... bibbity boppity boop. Oh, that is also correct. Yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> that is also true. I, I, totally... I didn't even have to say the actual names of the characters. Yes. I just had to make that reference. Actually, you did because they are in that they are called just that. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I totally forgot about that. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is like sport. Well, I mean, I you know I, I left out the part where I always made a joke about how. Um, you know, uh, I, I thought of that Animaniacs bit where, you know, it's like, you're not a man, you're a Majin Boo. Yes, I, yes, I have also t- so. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Chicken Boo, who apparently has probably has never shown up again, huh? Um, no, he has. has in the he? Animaniacs reboot, yes. Okay, I don't know, I haven't watched it, so. On Hulu, ladies and gentlemen, the next, the, the new season is out already. I am in the midst of watching it. Indeed. Thank you. Uh, but back to the story. Um, like I said, this is spoilers for Dragon Ball Super, the manga, I believe, and not the uh, the the adaptation, the anime adaptation. Uh, it was kind of hard to assess that out at the beginning, but uh, reading through. So, yeah. Uh, preview images from the series' official site revealed that the villain's heaters, which actually reminds me of Bleach for some strange reason, 
successfully collect all of the planet's Dragon Balls and summon its wish-granting dragon, as tends to happen in the series, uh, who, take a, who take on a more amphibian-like appearance than the dragons of Earth and Namek. Well, it could be worse. could have been GT. Um, the previous chapter in the series revealed that it was Bardock, Goku's forgotten biological... That's not fair. Biological father... <coughs> excuse me. Who saved Granola and his mother from the Saiyan attack all those years ago. After learning he had been fighting the son of his savior the whole time, Granola discovers that he was... Uh, that was the heaters who actually killed his mother. You know, that old chestnut. So, and it goes off from there. We won't necessarily have to go on to that. We don't know when this is even going to get adapted into Super or Super, or if it even is going to get adapted into the upcoming, what, Super Battle? Superhero? Excuse me. Not Superhero. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is from the manga, so. Interesting interesting tidbit in this, in this because I am not... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm still, you know, despite the fact that I've, I've, I've watched all of the, uh, Dragon Ball anime to date, uh, minus GT, I did not realize that, uh, the new manga is drawn by a self-taught artist named Toyota, Toyotaru, mm-hmm. whom Toriyama has personally named as his official successor as artist on the book. Wow. Oh, nice. So I presume Toriyama is still writing the story and plotting, you know, laying out the plots or whatever, but uh, Toyotaru is drawing it now. Cool. Right. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, speaking of uh, manga news, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean gets a one-shot spinoff manga. Uh, so Josuke and Rohan uh Kishibe aren't the only JoJo Bizarre Adventure characters to get their own spinoffs. A new one-shot manga that will apparently star Jolene Kujo has been revealed. Uh, the new standalone story, which will be written and drawn by um, Kimono Jihen's show Aimoto, will be uh, titled, excuse me, Fujiki I'm not going to pronounce that. <laughs> but White Snake is in the uh, apparently White Snake is in the thing. So, and, and if you know anything about um, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, that is not a big surprise. And if you don't uh, like probably Agent Seven Eight, and you want to know why, just watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, or you can ask me later. Anyway, Fujiko no Kimyu na Shosejitsu. Sure. I'm trying, folks. Yeah, that's what that's why I didn't want to try it because I didn't want to butcher it, and I would. But nevertheless, uh, the spinoff will be published in the next issue of Shoeisha's Ultra Jump uh, magazine on December 18th. And I believe I can't remember the well. Actually, it does say when that new that new that new season of JoJo's is coming out. Looks like January 18th. Oh, that's a manga. Uh, let's see. You know what? Doesn't matter. Oh, December first. Uh, for the for on Netflix. Anyway, last but not least. Last but not least, and believe it or not, I actually learned about this particular story, this humble bundle mm-hmm. from uh, Walt Simonson Simonson himself. Oh, nice. Who posted a link to this humble bundle? On his, uh, on his fan website that I am a member of on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So in a post that he posted himself, uh, he he uh, he he uh, let everyone in the fan group know that uh, uh, that this humble bundle was out. And what this humble bundle is 
is from Dark Horse, um, where you can get uh, a twenty item bundle. And you can pay, you know, what they're recommending, which is twenty five or thirty dollars, mm-hmm. uh, or less. But you know, they recommend twenty five or thirty dollars to get basically the entire humble bundle collection. Th- these these are digital copies of several landmark manga series written by Kazuo Koiki and featuring uh, visuals by Kozeki Kojima, you know, who is uh, no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, what we get is obviously we get the main book that is uh known in the united states and that would be lone wolf and cub we get all 28 volumes mm-hmm. you also get the path of the assassin we get samurai executioner color of rage and lady snowblood uh the various volumes and crying freeman as well so i'm on the fence about this one <laughs> because i own all 28 volumes of the lone wolf and cub huh, okay. in physical form gotcha but it wouldn't hurt to have it in digital yeah, I'm And I'm, it also benefits charity. That's the important part. There you go. It supports the Hero Initiative and Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Mm-hmm. So that that would be the incentive I have to uh jump on this humble bundle because it's not it would be definitely nice to read all these Lone Wolf and Cubs in digital format. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's probably just as important to support these charities. Right, it says charity water, but and and also in hero initiative. So I don't. Uh, but yeah, um, regardless, what Agent Seventy said, regardless, is very much the case. I feel like I might do this. Um, Lady Snowblood is, is another one some folks might know because there have been uh, live action adaptations of Lady Lady Snowbirds, uh, Lady Snowbird into movies, which I think one of oh, those. you can change you can change the suggested charities. Oh, gotcha. So the first, so so that first charity, you know, uh, the Hero Initiative is the is 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 you can't change, but you can change your second charity. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. All right. So you can change it to the American Red Cross, Child's Play, Children's Miracle Network, Games Aid, Wikimedia Foundation, or Charity Water. Yep. If you're watching the video version, you can see that. So that is cool. Um, that is cool. Um. So yeah, so that is it, folks. Um, like I said, you, Lone Wolf and Cub. You already you. I feel like if you're of a certain vintage, you know of it and, or know what has crept from it. Um, if you've watched The Mandalorian, you definitely know, right? Uh, where what uh, the inspirations come from. So right. you may know, you may know that. Uh, uh, you know, there's lots of, you know, you know, you just have to go to enter the 36 chambers to get a couple of drops, uh, you know, straight drops from the Samurai Executioner movies. Um, mm-hmm. But I was definitely introduced to it uh, through the Frank Miller uh, adaptations, you know, the, the covers that he did for the first comics, uh, uh, reprints of the books, which were incomplete. Mm-hmm. But those are only through a friend of mine. And then I got turned on to, you know, the whole story. And when the reprints, the dark horse reprints came out in that little digest format in 1990, I want to say 1998, mm-hmm. they start coming out and they did, they kept going all the way through the year 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. So I bought all of those as they were coming out as they were hitting the stands. So, um, that was my real, uh, uh, uh introduction to, uh, uh, Kazuo Koiki and uh, Goseki Kojima's uh, masterpiece. Gotcha. So, but that was, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, I know people went back even further with it. As you, well, you know, as, as you said, because they went back with the movies, the adaptations. Yes. Uh, right. If you've, you know, Shogun Assassin, classic movie uh, adaptation, um, which I guess was pieced together from a couple of movies, I think, and not other, or a couple of the long, but yeah, great stuff. If you ever get a chance to, to check it out. Anyway, um, not to go on too much in, uh, in front of it, but it's a great charity and hey, you get a lot for it. You know, just, uh, and that, folks, comes to the end of the news and the end of this here podcast. But before we get to that, we got one more ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Aprons Meal Delivery Service. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always ship free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And as we come to an end of another uh, episode of the Comic Chronicles, I almost said I had a toy corner, but it's not necessarily germane to uh, comics per se. But I almost had a toy corner. Uh-huh. Do you know what uh, became available on the Walgreens website this week? She-Hulk. No. Wait, Nova? Yeah, Nova's available. It's still available on the Walgreens website right now. So huh. um, you may not see it in your local Walgreens, but you can definitely order it. It costs a little bit extra because shipping on Walgreens is expensive. Hmm. But you can get it, and I ordered mine. Mine is supposedly going to be here. I thought it would be here today in order for Toy Corner in, uh, in in time for Toy Corner, but it wasn't. So it should be here tomorrow. Right. That's funny because I was in a Walgreens yesterday, and that that particular section was empty. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely available on the website. Gotcha. I might check that out. Uh, that being said, folks, uh, we have come to the end of another uh, episode of the Combo Chronicles. Like, thank each and every one of you for coming out. Uh, we'll be back. Well, excuse me. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving, and we will probably not have a show on Thursday night. We may not have a show that particular weekend, but stay tuned to our social medias to uh, find out when we will actually have a show. We will definitely have right. one probably next week, but it might not necessarily be on that weekend. Right. So we will see what happens for Thanksgiving. So in advance of the Thanksgiving holiday, have a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe uh, on your travels. Be safe with your COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't eat too much. Yeah. You know, be thankful for what you have. Yeah. Uh, it's an important thing to always uh, you know, to remember be thankful for what you have. Not worry too much about what you don't. Um, we know we'll, we'll we'll be back, if not next week, the week after, and mm-hmm. we'll have a lot to recap. We'll have Cowboy Bebop to talk about. Yes, uh, we will have probably obtained our tickets for Spider Man Spider Man No Way Home by that point. Uh, Hawkeye. So, yes, Hawkeye will have started. Mm-hmm. So, so we will have plenty to talk about. We will try to keep things very brief. Yes, <laughs> indeed. As brief as we can so, with, uh, with probably possibly two weeks worth of uh, stuff. Exactly. Holidays, exactly. We, may, we may have to dedicate uh, 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 a treasury edition to the TV stuff and keep it separate. We'll see. So, uh, you know, we leave you with that. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
Indeed. And with that, uh, you can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither podcast. Well, excuse me, back up before that. I am Roddy Cat. I'm your host. Uh, you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBA Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and his, in, and his umbrella sites therein. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, the Osiris is ish, as we like to say. Uh, you can also find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at uh, The Click Nation on Twitter. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. Uh, but you can also find him at comicbook.com. That's that, that other place. Comicbook.com, where he's writing his face off. Which kind of rings, sounds differently now, and it's kind of hard to get used to. Not hard to get used to, but it just rings differently when you say it like that. Uh, right. You can also find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast provisional place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, and of course, um, if you've been watching the video version or at any point will be watching the video version, you can check it out live if you so choose or after the fact on the YouTube channel of the uh, nation. That's youtube.com slash the click nation or twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, where we go live every Thursday night at nine thirty ish PM Eastern. Uh, and that being said, like I said, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr.